Hi, it's Al. Recently, I was informed that my job of seven years was being outsourced and that my services were no longer required. This was, as you might imagine, a bit of a blow. Thankfully, I'm in no immediate financial danger. However, the situation will seriously impact the continued production of this and the other shows that I produce. And so, despite my general distaste for these things, I've decided to start a fundraiser. My goal is to raise one year's worth of production costs for the four projects I release regularly. Sarcastic Voyage, Post-Atomic Horror, More Bits, and my cartoon reviews. If you enjoy one or more of these programs, I ask that you consider donating a little to keep them going. Go to GoFundMe.com Algar for details. In the interest of transparency, I have listed the expenses I need help with there. Some of these things are essential, server space for the website's podcasts and videos, for instance. Some of them are things we could live without but would rather not. And some are nice-to-have items. It's all on the list, and I promise you that none of this money is meant to go into my pocket. I only want to continue making these things that I love making. That website, again, is GoFundMe Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. I thank you for your time and preemptively thank you for your support. You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 20. Hello, friends. Hey, folks. I thought I was going to do the subdued friends this time, but I'm excited. I'm, I'm really excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited Not me. I'm, I'm incredibly low-key tonight. Are you? Hey, we're, doing, we're going late all night long here on the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast. Keeping you up till 3 a.m., after which I'm going the fuck to bed. That's not all night long. That's till, like, the middle of the night. To be all night long, you have to go to the break of break of dawn. Going half the night long. Yeah. Well, you still got hours. No, I've, <laughs> I refuse to be I refuse to be conscious when it's 6 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Who was I think my friend uh, Mark said that uh, there's a time, it might be 6, that is just not, like, not viable from either end. No. You don't want to be up that late. You don't want to be up that early. It's just like never, never six o'clock. We used to, we, we would, uh, when we had pulled an all nighter, we would all emerge blinking from the house at like five, six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it would be that horrible, like middle of summer dawn, right? Oh, I love that. And the judging birds would be out. Ah, uh, yes. I remember hearing about the judging birds. Hanging on the telephone wires, cawing at you, judging you for being out all night. See, I've uh, this is a thing. Like, yes, I was born forty years old. Haha, whatever. But I've just always been a morning person. Mm-hmm. I always just like going to bed early, getting up early. It's just the thing I like. And in the summertime, when I can get up at like five thirty, and the sun's already out, and nobody's around, it's perfect. It's no, like, the the morning is a bastard. No way, man. Because because everyone like nobody's in my way that way. That is a plus. Yeah, it's fantastic. See, I like coming at that from the other way, where I don't have to talk to anyone because it's like you know, three in the morning. Three in the morning. Yes, exactly. But nothing's open yet. That's true. Wow, we are not talking about Star Trek at all. No. Why don't we do that? All right. Why don't we open up the old mail um, container? Container. <laughs> mail drum. Meanwhile, in the old mail capsule. Wait, is is that what's in all the barrels in uh, Maquis headquarters? That would explain our mail. Why, that would explain why they burn so effectively. <laughs> They're burning our mail. You sons of bitches. Now I have another reason to hate the Maquis. I'm glad well, you're all dead. Yeah, but they're still going to be in Voyager, so we're not done with them yet. Yeah. Half the cast is going to be Maquis on that show. So they're going to be there till the end. Well, Captain, how do you like it now that I've burnt your mail? Damn it, Eddington! <laughs> uh, I have to still say... Still looking for your burnt mail, eh, Robert? Wait, is that the name? 
No, no, no. Ja- Javert? I Javert, think? there you go. Thank yeah. you. I don't know. I don't actually know Les Mis. I, I, I may be entirely wrong. Yeah. I know still it's looking, not Robert. Still looking for your mail, eh, Hugh Jackman? <laughs> I'm positive it's not Robert, or we would have made a lot of Picard's brother jokes. That's probably what I was thinking of. Yeah. My brother, Robert. Robert. Yeah. I gotta say, this may be the most mail we have ever gotten. Like, I was shocked, you know? You sent me an email that was like, yeah, we're gonna get a lot of mail. I'm like, alright, so what, like eight? No. No. Like 30. Yeah. The thing is, we do these supplementals, you know, every season between seasons, as as most of you already know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, we're at the point in Star Trek where a season equals, I think, 24 or 26 episodes. So that means every 12 or 13 weeks, we get... Um, you know, we, we get to clear out the mail. And yes. usually that means 10 or 15 pieces because mm-hmm. we have a fair listenership, but only some people write in. But this time, just people went nuts and it's great. Yeah. I didn't have to beg or anything. So that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of lots of new friends this time. So, that was uh, that, that was also very cool to see. I We always, always love that. Mm-hmm. It just, it's always great to hear from people, you know, and, and we heard from them during the whole sticker thing too. So yeah. that was cool. So thank you. We yes. appreciate it. All uh, right. So without further Apu. Without further Odo. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that doesn't work at all. Um, it, it works in writing because it's only one letter off from a do. Mm-hmm. But in, out, out loud, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, no, doesn't mean that at all. You blasphemed my name. <laughs> That's work. Okay. Uh, let's see. The first email actually comes from Michael Bell, and it is an image which we will share. Uh, I actually set up. Oh God, what was what is the name of the site that I ended up using? Flickr, I think. One of those. I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, it's but, been a while since I've been there, but... Uh, yeah, me too. Whenever we get new images, I put them up, and mm-hmm. then I completely forget. The The link is on postatomichorror.com. We will put it there again. Uh, but uh, this is great. It's it's uh, Kai Wynn talking to Cisco, and it says, My hat's hat has a hat. I believe that renders your argument invalid, Commander. So you can hear it so perfectly. Yep. The only I thing try- is that she would never call him Commander. She doesn't have that much respect for him. Well, she calls him Emissary. Yes, because oh. she has to. Although this picture is Cisco not bald with um, the old uniform. Mm. So this was back in the days, I think, before she even called him emissary. Yeah. Maybe she did call him commander then. I could actually... Mr. Cisco. Mr. Cisco. Like uh, like when uh, Dr. Orpheus calls uh, Dr. Venture Mr. Venture. Yes. Oh, who are we kidding? She would have called him child. She calls everyone child because she's oh, that's a true. bitch. Yep. All right. My hat's hat has a hat, child. <laughs> oh, shut up hat <laughs> let's see next one comes from dalton right. and he says i've been listening to your show for probably a few months now i found it when i started watching ds9 because i'm the kind of nerd who searches for podcasts about the shows i'm watching hey me too i don't agree with everything you guys say but it would be pretty boring if i did also true i just wanted to say thanks for giving me something to look forward to on mondays that that honestly seriously is the best thing to hear right because we come out regularly because people like now know that the show's coming out at the same time they're like hey I look forward to it. Yep. Like, that's great. Uh, and something to listen to when I can't sleep at night and need something funny to distract myself from the hordes of monsters and assassins surely lurking in the shadows. Don't forget the monster assassins. Well, yes. <laughs> assassins! Murderers! <laughs> Quick, what's that from? Quick, go! No. Nope. Uh, City on the Edge of Forever. Okay, good. Uh, and thanks in a roundabout way for the inspiration. Something about listening to your show has helped renew my creative energy and compelled me to get off my ass, figuratively speaking, and get back to writing. 
Hey, maybe me just, too. Maybe I just needed something to lift my mood. At any rate, I finished a serious project tonight for the first time in months, so thanks. That's awesome. That is fantastic. That's really nice to hear, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, even if we inspired you in that, oh, God, I hate what these guys are doing, I could do better than that. That's fine. <laughs> Prove me wrong, children. I've been I've been motivated by that before. I won't mm -hmm. I won't be a jerk and call out what I'm talking about specifically, but I, it's not even a podcast. Like previously, other things that I've done. Yep. I've looked at other people doing a thing, and I was like, "Whoa, it's like, this, I can do I, better than this." Yeah, I I should do better than this, <laughs> and I did. Uh, okay. I showed them all. Let's see this one. Oh, this one is some kind of spam. Oh, all right. Something about uh, we will die even though we read this. There's a little girl called Clarissa. She lives in a mental hospital. So on and so on. Well, we're going to die. That's fine. I mean, we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going for that, like, fight club, you know, in the Tibetan philosophy, Sylvia Plathway, we're all going to die. Yeah. But I mean, like, in the very real sense that we're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, except, except Riker. Yeah, no, he'll live forever. He's going to live forever, because he said so. <laughs> End of time, the only people left will be Riker and Scully. <laughs> no, and uh, Vandal Savage. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, slowly, three people, but that's it. Slowly driving himself mad. <laughs> Turns out I'm still alive. I don't know why yeah. Vandal Savage sounds like Odo, but here we are. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure uh, Rene Abajois voiced somebody on uh, Justice League. He He must have. I mean, most of those guys, well, I say that. I actually can't think of a lot of examples. Most of those guys showed up on Gargoyles. Yeah. I don't know that... Uh... But, I mean, Rene Abajois is such a... Uh, well, he has of... a distinctive voice. He has a distinctive voice. He's definitely a voice actor. Yeah. No, he, he probably has. I just don't feel like... Yeah. The, the thing is, people have called us out on this before. Well, why don't you go look it up? Because when we're recording, we used to do this way back in the day, early in the show and early in our other podcast, we used to do this. And it would completely slow the show to a stop. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I could edit it out, but that's work, man. And also, we like giving you guys homework. Yeah, because you usually do it. Yeah. It's way um, easier. And by that, by the time you tell us, we have we have forgotten. Yep. And, and then we're like, why the hell is this guy telling us about what Rene Abajois got up to? Yep. Still can't say that name, huh? I thought I was. I thought I was doing really well. <laughs> Shit. Next one comes, again, from Dalton. And we may hear from people, like, several times because it's the mail has... because of how long it takes to... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he says, I know you guys aren't answering mail again for a while, and that I literally just sent you a message a few days ago, but I wanted to ask you this before I forgot. Again, right. I, bet, I bet you've now since forgotten. Uh, do you think, or have you found any evidence that the writers of The Visitor have been inspired by the real-life physicist Ronald Mallet? The idea of a child, teen, young adult throwing himself into the sciences and trying to save his father, and especially the alternate timeline plot, makes me think of Mallet, who lost his own father at age 10 and was then inspired by science fiction to save him using time travel. He has since made considerable progress on that front, which raises a concern... Uh, I have about both the episode in real life. When old Jake sacrificed himself to save Ben, did he erase that entire timeline? Did that aspiring writer walk out of her favorite author's house with his new book uh, and his original handwritten notes only to pop out of existence an hour later? And if Ronald Mallet saves his father, will we go to war with the Dominion? <laughs> One last fun note. I wasn't sure if I had the title of the episode right, so I Googled it. Google's suggestion after getting as far as DS9 The V was DS9 The Visitor Made Me Cry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dalton. <laughs> That's great. Right now, uh, the inner light and the visitor are the only two that I will probably admit to uh, <sighs> during. 
<laughs> there are others, but those are the only ones. I mean, uh, Plato's stepchildren made me cry. But yeah, that's different. Uh, different reasons. You couldn't see that under my bucket. No. Uh, I was not aware of this guy. No, me neither. That's a new one on me. That's interesting. And, you know, I mean, obviously he hasn't uh, discovered time travel yet, or he's not sharing it with the rest of us. No. Um, I assume if it had been, uh, like, if it had uh, inspired the episode, it would have mentioned it on Memory Alpha. That it's stuff like stuff like that's the reason we check out Memory Alpha every week. Yeah. Just we definitely see. like to know, like, the story behind things. And, mm. like, I don't usually care about the production crap, but I love I love the stuff about the writing. And, yeah. Yeah, I would have I would have remembered if... Uh, no, that's it that's a... interesting, though. I've never heard of that. No, me neither. And mm. as for your other question, yes, the second she walked out the door, that uh, universe ceased to exist. Okay, but let's talk about this. This is what this is what supplementals are for. Mm-hmm. So I guess the way, I mean, we know this. We've mm-hmm. seen it over and over again. The way time travel tends to work in Star Trek is uh, typically we see the timeline go wrong, mm-hmm. uh, like City on the Edge of Forever or like Yesterday's Enterprise, and then... Our, or uh, First Contact, there's a bunch of them. Yeah. And then our guys have to go back and fix it. So, do those, do each, does each alternate universe still exist? Is that, does that question even make sense? See, you know, that's, that's the question because we know alternate realities exist in this universe. Like, well, I was, I was just going to say, well, we know the mirror universe, but no, wait, because Worf went to like a yeah. million of them. So, yeah. Well, like, here's the thing. Okay. Star Trek as it goes, goes by back to the future time travel rules. Uh, mostly. Like, stuff that happens in the past affects the present. If you change stuff in the past... Uh, that get... That is true, but Back to the Future has a... I don't think it's unique necessarily, but I think of it as uniquely Back to the Future in that there's a ripple effect. Mm. Things take time to change, and you can see them change in front of you and that kind of thing. That is definitely true. But, like, I mean, like, we've seen the ripple effect in Star Trek. Like, that happens in First Contact. Yeah, but it happens pretty much instantly. They don't watch a like they don't watch Earth slowly turn Borg. That is true. Whereas Marty had a week watching the picture of his parents, you know, or the picture of his uh, siblings rather fading away. Right. Whereas in Star Trek, it changes more or less, you know, instantly. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But no, that's have... that's the evidence. But I mean, I go by the sort of just the timeline thing with Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Like changing something in the past creates a new timeline. But, right, I but, in, but I don't know if it creates an alternate reality. Well, in Back to the Future, the way Doc explained it, and Doc, just because he created a time machine doesn't he, mean he knows how all time travel works. Which is terrifying, but true. Yeah, I mean, he he, he might not understand how the universe works just because he built a machine to punch holes in it. You know? Marty, I invented time machine, a time machine, and I have no idea how it works. I, That's terrifying, Doc. Yeah, but it's like... Benjamin Franklin was, you know, harnessing, uh, like, lightning, but he didn't really understand how, like, the actual principles of electricity. Marty, I've har- harnessed the power of lightning! Yep, he's done that too. Mm-hmm. A bolt of lightning! <laughs> but, you know, like like I say, he's punching holes in it. That doesn't yeah. mean he knows how it works. <laughs> and uh, my thought is, but, I mean, anyway, Doc's, Doc's theory is when you change history, it replaces, like, there isn't an alternate timeline. Things go off into a new timeline, and that's the new reality. Yeah. That's the way he explained it. So is Star Trek like that, or is Star Trek like a new universe is created and that new universe is always around? That's that's what I've always assumed with Star Trek. That's why, like, you know, every time something goes wrong with the timeline, you know, they have to go back in time and fix it. But that, that, hmm. Wouldn't they just now live in the new reality always? You would think, right? But, like... Even if they fix it. They're still, uh, I don't know. 
Well, because and Star Trek always, also always uses the uh, like if you're next to, if you're like there when whatever happened affects the timeline. Yeah, you get to remember it. You're the person who's aware of it, which is really just for story reasons. It makes no actual sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Like I don't see any evidence that people's time travel is what creates alternate realities. And I'm going to say, yes, they do collapse. Yeah. Like reality is sort of one continuous thing that just goes back and forth. So like uh, the, the JJ Abrams movie basically made all Star Trek no longer exist. And I just say that to piss people off, really. I mean, that's true. Like they specifically say in the thing, Oh no, we're an alternate timeline. No, you're not. I know how, I know how Star Trek time travel works. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's my theory. Sorry, what's your whatever your name was? Uh, your copy of Anselm, uh, gone, along yep. with everything else you've ever known. <laughs> that's a that's a damn shame, huh? Uh, let's see. Next uh, email comes from Michael Bell, who provided us that fantastic picture of Kai Win with uh, Galron's eyes a few months uh, ago. Yes, it's horrible. And he is back with. Uh, a a bug-eyed picture of Klingon O'Brien, mm-hmm. and <laughs> a picture of of Papa Cisco. All right, let me see this here. With Galron's bug eyes in his giant nostrils. Ah! <laughs> oh my God. Yep. I. Oh. Yep. Oh. We will definitely be posting that again. Yeah. Go to postatomichorror.com and uh, it will be the, that it will be there, or we'll tell you how to get there. That that is yeah. that is some kind of something. You got the Ghiblies now? Oh, I got something like them. Bah. Yep. So enjoy that. Uh, you you went back to the old. Uh, I'll just click this here. Yeah, it's been ah. a while since I've clicked this here, and ah. Yep. Well, it's always you know I always have a soft spot for the classics. Mm-hmm. So. There's that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Michael. Uh, next one comes from a different Michael. Michael. He says, hey, I was the random stranger who requested more Vishal. Thanks. Now that I've got a recording of him saying, winners fuck the prom queen, I just need him to say, it's the one that says bad motherfucker. And the Vishal bot 1000 will be fully operational. Excellent. Uh, Vishal will definitely be joining us again, by the way. We were just talking about that recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, through the last season of DS9, you guys repeatedly said that Galron was a changeling imposter. Was that misdirection or just misremembering? If the former, kudos for trying to keep things surprising to those first-time listeners who cheated and listened to the spoiler section. If the latter, kudos to your listeners for going so long without, to my knowledge at least, publicly correcting you on it. Either way, I've made some terrible life choices and trading my savings for several pallets of kudos brand granola bars. <laughs> Man, all these new listeners have really good senses of humor, too. Yeah, we, got, do. we got good new listeners, not just, like, you know, crummy, like, dummies. Crummy dummies. <laughs> I'm going with that. That's uh yeah, all right. You can you can do that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna separate myself from this partnership starting now. Nope, too bad. You're in this until uh until the season finale of Enterprise. Oh god. Maybe, you know, maybe longer if they make more shows. Why did I wish on that monkey's paw? Uh he says let me know where to send them, them being the the kudos brand granola bars. Also not trying to start a thing, but I actually kind of like the quickening. Crapfully yours, Mike. Quickening was Bashir, uh, the sick people, yeah? I think so. You know, that cure he's been constantly Right, 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 on, okay. Tirelessly working on. Yeah, look, man, I'm never going to say that your opinion is wrong or whatever, but that episode sucks. I did not care for that episode. No. But, you know, he's not going to start a thing. I really don't think we're going to have another episode quite as disputed as that one. I hope not. So, yeah. Um, what was the question? 
Oh, was there a question? Uh, no, there was, uh, what do you call it? The Gowron thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know about you. I genuinely forgot that uh, Martok was... Uh, I remember that Martok was a changeling. I genuinely thought Gowron was, too. I I did not remember Martok being a changeling. I remembered... What I remembered was that awesome reveal at the end of Season 4. Yeah. Where Odo said, Gowron is a changeling. And that, that's what stuck with me. Last time I watched the show all the way through was maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. Before we started this podcast, obviously. So... It's no, I just forgot. Yeah, is all. So uh, that's yeah. uh, that's a plus about having a completely unreliable memory. Is uh, it's all new to me. Yep. Exactly. So no, you get uh, and I mean you see this as we do the spoiler section and stuff. It's like, well, what do I remember from this show? Yeah. Well, the thing is, once we started, like once mm -hmm. we knew it was it was about season two of of the original series where we said, you know what, we're probably sticking with this. Yeah. We should, like, I imposed a rule on myself. I, I didn't dictate anything. I said, I am not going to watch any Star Trek. Like, I'm going to try to watch all these as if I'm seeing them for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not allowed to watch anything ahead of what we're seeing yet. And Matt said, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do the same thing. Yep. And as a result, we haven't watched DS9 at least since we launched this in, did we start in 2010? I think we started in 2010. I think so, yeah. I don't remember. Who remembers? I could look it up, but uh, who cares? But once again, that's uh, that's for you people at home to do. It's been four or five years. Yeah. It's been long enough now that I don't remember anything because I'm I think, old and I don't remember anything. I think we're coming up on five years now. I think you're right. I think 2010 is when we started. Yeah. But, uh, 2015, fifth year of PA. Yes, I, I am on the website right now. September 2010 is when we uh, when we launched. Jesus. So, yeah. We're so old. Yep. Uh, between, between this show and Sarcastic Voyage, we've done like 400 episodes. So, uh... Take that, everyone? Sure. Yeah. Take that as in download them, please. Please take it. And write um, us a review. Yeah, do that. Especially if you're Canadian, because I still don't have any. I don't look. I pop in occasionally just to sort of see what's going on. It's like, I wonder if we got any reviews. And I never do, because I'm you're, in Canada. You're talking about iTunes? Yes, on iTunes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not just writing a review like in your local penny saver or whatever. I mean, I haven't seen any. If you if you are writing one, please draw my attention to it. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I usually throw those things away as soon as I get them. But if there's But if I if I knew my name was in it. Yeah. Then I'd read that and then throw it away. I'm that self centered. I mean oh, and also clip out the coupons for the hardware store. Oh, of course. I mean you gotta have ten thousand nails for twenty dollars. Fifteen you know. cents off a wrench, man. Shop around. You can't beat that deal. No, mine's 15 cents off a spanner, and it turns out that the uh, the hardware store is in England. Ugh. So it's not actually that much of a deal at all. Yeah, so I'd like to buy a spanner, please. <laughs> Julian Bashir. Pleased to meet you. Julian Jules Bashir. Perhaps I need a spanner to repair kuklaka. Perhaps you know my father. Hello! <laughs> I'm in jail, I am. <laughs> oh, Jules. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Jeff, and right. he says, My bad thing for Trials and Tribulations bugs me a lot. It's that they give voice to the differences between old-school Klingons and the motion picture and beyond Klingons. They didn't have to say a thing. I've already seen the returns of Klingons from the original series in new makeup. Instead, Worf makes it clear while being obscure that something happened. This was bad enough on its own, but years later led to a lousy Enterprise story. Did it did. Uh, I don't know. I like that. Like, I, I, that th was... I think treating it as a joke, especially as a joke that uh, Trek fans have been arguing about since the motion picture is exactly the way to go about it. 
Well, my initial in, in, uh, interpretation was, you know what, They're, that's just how they looked on the TV budget. They couldn't afford to make them look right. Yeah, it's like how the Enterprise looks so much better in the motion picture, too. Yeah, but they explained that away with a refit. True. So, but I always just assume that, like, because when we check back in with uh, Kang, Kor, and Koloth, they, they have foreheads now. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, well, they always look like that. They just didn't look right on the on the old show. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you got Worf, an actual bumpy-headed Klingon, wandering around among smooth-headed Klingons. You kind of yeah. have to say something. Yeah. And uh, no, I think they did. I think they did it perfectly. Make a joke of it, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. And then we move on. Wave your hand. Yeah. And then there's Enterprise. Yep. I I first of all, I'm trying not to diss the shows that will come later. Secondly. I honestly haven't even seen that episode, so I've heard from some people who don't really like Enterprise that much that that's actually good. Mm. Really? Like that, yeah. uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, there's some stuff in there about Khan and the um, uh, eugenics wars, and there's and I think Brent Spiner. Oh, all right. I might be I might be mixing my stuff up. Like I said, I haven't seen them, but there's something about augments and something about like I'm pretty sure they still com- uh, confuse uh, genetics and eugenics. Well, I mean, that's just Star Trek at this point. Yeah, but I know Brent Spiner shows up, and I think it's in that story. Oh, all right. So I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's good. We'll does find he, out. Does he play Soong? He plays like one of Soong's ancestors, ah, yeah. Who all look like Data. Yeah. No, I think they I think they gave him some makeup. Oh, all right. But I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. I honestly don't know. All right. Well, I mean, we'll cross that bridge. Yeah. They, they honestly didn't get a ton of, like, uh, other Star Trek guys on Enterprise, like, as much as you might expect. Mm. I know that. Uh, I know Shatner was sort of making overtures to maybe making an appearance before they got canceled. And that's probably for the best. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. I just can't. I can't picture a scenario where that would go well. No. I, I at this point, am very pro keeping Shatner out of Star Trek now. Uh, you know, this would be a fine time to talk about the developments on the new movie. Oh, yeah. You want to do that? Uh, yes. Yes, right. I do. Right, like, like a human would do by saying, Matt, let's have a discussion about this <laughs> other topic. Uh, this is why I love doing a podcast. It's how natural we all sound. Yes. Just like we're conversing for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like, about the Shatner thing. I've said before, I can think of one scenario where involving Shatner would be kind of cool, and yeah. that's also if you involve uh, Patrick Stewart and Avery Brooks and Kate Mulgrew and uh, Bakula. Mm-hmm. Like, you do some big legacy thing because it's the 50th anniversary. Yeah, no, I would be fine with that. That is pretty much the only thing you could get me with, though, because... I got I got no indication that's happening. This is just my fanboy, like, here's a cool way to make that work. Yeah, and, you know, I'll buy that. Um, the I problem is that's probably not what's going to happen. Well, what I know, what we all know right now, is that there is no script. Mm-hmm. They have decided to completely throw away Roberto Orki or Orsi. I've heard it now said both ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, his script and start over again with Simon Pegg and some other dude whose name I forget. Uh, he worked on one of the Fast and the Furious movies. No, no, no. That's the director. Oh, is that the director? That's yeah, fun ju- too. Justin, Justin Lin is the director. I have no opinion of him because I haven't seen any of his movies. That's fair. But uh, the guy co-writing the script with Simon Pegg, I complete. I don't even remember his name at all. Like, all right. He's, he's experienced, though. Yeah. We're out of the woods with the guy who's never done anything problem we had with Orky. Yeah, so that was a little worrying, wasn't it? Yeah. Directed literally nothing. Like, no TV episodes, mm-hmm. no anything. And that's, you know, not great. Yeah. But Simon Pegg co-wrote most of the, um, I think all of the uh, the, the All the trilogy. Edgar Wright uh, 
Cornetto I, trilogy. For some reason in my head, he he didn't write one of them, but I'm looking at it right now. Sometimes I do look things up. I lied. Um, and and he did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, I was wrong about that. Yeah. Um, that's um, si- Simon Pegg working on working on Trek. I take that as a very good sign. I I I don't know. Like I seriously. I want to be excited, but you know. Well, look, no, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna naysay. What I'm not gonna say is, oh, it's gonna suck. I absolutely am not gonna say that. The best I can muster is, well, I hope it's good. Yeah. I just, I, I really can't tell. But I mean, you know, we saw what happened last time. Yeah. It was yeah. bad. It was bad. Here's, here is the main thing that I am worried about. This has nothing to do with anybody who's writing or anything. It has to do with. I read an article, and maybe you know. Maybe it's completely, like, wrong. But what I read was, there's a lot of studio interference. They want Star Trek to be more like Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy. And what they mean by that is, they want more... Like, they they want more of Scotty's little sidekick. They want a Rocket Raccoon. They want cute, like... And and Rocket wasn't cute. He was cool. Like, one of the things I liked about Guardians was... uh, Groot and Rocket should have been terrible. No, and they were they were spot on perfect. But they really in that kind of movie, the the cute comic relief should have just been awful. Yeah. And somehow they made really made it work and they were like some of the best characters in there. Mm. But that's hard. That is super hard to do. Yep. The thing is Star Trek is not Guardians. No, it is not. It Guardians, absolutely is not. Guardians was a good movie. Yeah. But it's not they're not the same. No. Star Trek is Star Trek. It's got 50 years of stuff to draw on. Mm. It's got its own feel. You don't need you know, you don't you don't need somebody else. Yeah. Do you remember you what don't... article this was? Like, could you provide a link to it? I'd like to check this out at some point. I will. Uh, this as I am editing, this is a reminder to you, future Al, to find that okay. because I, it it will not be hard to find. It was on IO9 or Topless Robot or okay. one of those, and it said like uh, Paramount or CBS or whoever it is wants Star Trek to be more like Guardians. I mean, that doesn't surprise me considering how well Guardians did. Well, that's the thing. The studio's looking that and. That's what worries me. Mm-hmm. The studio's looking at uh, th- this other space movie that's making a lot of money and saying, how come our space movie didn't make that much money? Make it more like this. Yeah. When studios say shit like that, it's usually not a great idea. No, that's that's always that's always a bad sign. They're not saying make a movie with great characters that's a good ensemble. They're no, saying, they're saying put a funny raccoon in this. Right. They're, they're, uh, Disney's selling a million Groot toys and, uh, and Rocket toys. Mm-hmm. What can we sell that's cuddly that kids will buy? Yeah. And sorry, no, that's not what Star... I mean, yeah, you could sell some Tribbles or something. Mm-hmm. But but really, that's not what Star Trek's ever been. No. So, yeah, I don't know. All right, well, that's not a great sign. That's the only reason I'm yeah. so skeptical. It's not... It's really not me being a hater. It's really not me saying, uh, it's his all... Simon Pegg sucks. No, he doesn't. Simon Pegg's great. Yeah. It's just... I read that, and I hope it's wrong, because what it feels like is the studio said that, uh, the original director, writer-director, didn't play ball, so they fired him and hired people who would play mm-hmm. ball. And that's troubling to me. Yeah. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, also, he's co-writing the movie with two guys. I didn't realize that. Oh, all right. Oh, excuse me, three guys. Oh. Uh, Orky originally was writing it with Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne. I don't know who I they are. I don't recognize either of those names. Uh, Simon Pegg is co-writing with Doug. It's either Jung or Jung. I don't know how it's pronounced, mm. but J-U-N-G. Uh, I don't know him either, and this wiki article doesn't have a link, and that's usually not a good sign. Ugh. But again, I'm not. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. I'm no. not. I'm not. My hopes are not low, 
my expectation. I'm just adjusting my expectations because I was disappointed last time. Yeah. And last time I expected a bad movie, it was great. Mm-hmm. Last time I expected a bit great movie, it was bad. So this is like a sports fan logic. Yeah. So I was wearing my lucky shirt and they won. So mm-hmm. yeah, my lucky Star Trek shirt. Yep. To go with my other lucky Star Trek shirt. I get a lot of Star Trek shirts now. Yeah, but how many of them are lucky? I mean, all my shirts are lucky because they get to touch my chest, and my chest is enchanted. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Enchanted or enchanting? Both. It could be two things. All right. Uh, For more on my enchanted chest, please write to uh, Sarcastic Voyage. <laughs> please write to uh, Enchanted Chest, Pueblo, Colorado. <laughs> In Walla Walla, Washington. I drove through Walla Walla, Washington. Did you when see I... Bugs Bunny? I feel like he's always there. No, he's always talking about there, but I don't think he's ever been there. I, I, I This is when I was driving across country to move to Seattle from the East Coast. I drove, this is like, I've, I've never heard of it since. I've been here nine years and nobody ever mentions Walla Walla. It's disappointing. That is, that, that's too bad, you know? Also, I, um, I, well, I can't say I discovered, someone else discovered and named it, but I, I realized, uh, out, uh, in the eastern part of the state, there is a, there is a town called George. Really? Jo- George, Washington. Oh, that's... That's terrible. <laughs> that's awful. Isn't it? Uh-huh. Next email comes from Deke Winsome. Hey. He says... You know, the episode Let He Who Is Without Sin actually has a pretty interesting premise. Don't get me wrong, I'm not defending this thing. (laughs) But how does anyone get anything done in the social paradise of Trek? I mean, why isn't everyone on Sex Planet all the time? It's not like they're going to lose their homes or starve if they don't get to their job at the Warp Core plant. They can just replicate whatever they need, spend all their time getting laid, and do whatever they want whenever they want. With no need of money, no hardship to be afraid of, no poverty, no hunger, no reason to show up to work. Why does anyone... It's an interesting thing to cogitate on. Too bad it was so ham-fisted in the delivery. Plus Dax in a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. See, now you should have led with that. You should have <laughs> said, you know in the episode, Dax in a bathing suit. Because I had to think, wait, which one is that? Well, he was, uh, Trust me, no, it's perfectly inscribed on my brain at this point. Uh-huh. You can basically just say, uh, let he who is with uh, sin, and I just hear it as Dax in a bathing suit episode. So when someone actually quotes, like, uh, I, I think that's from the Bible, isn't it? Uh, cast the first stone? Isn't yeah, the yeah, yeah. So if people, someone says that to me, all I can think of is uh, Dax in a bathing suit throwing rocks at people. Mm, that's fair. Which isn't a bad image. No, not at all. Um. Now, if she lived in a glass house, then we'd have a problem. <laughs> Oh, she lives at Becker's house. <laughs> so... Spoilers? <laughs> We've talked about the whole economics of Trek thing before. Yeah. I, the whole thing is, what I feel like is this is... This is why Kirk and everybody else is always talking about how they can't live in paradise. Things can't be easy. You gotta struggle. Like, because that's the only way this works. Mm-hmm. Is if people sort of feel self-motivated and you keep they keep creating characters who want, you know, yeah. who don't want everything to be perfect, who want to struggle. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the only way it works. That's the thing. You Trek is made up of a lot of people who don't want to just fuck around and right. have sex. And, I mean, if that's what you're into, fucking go live on Ryza, man. It's a Federation planet, and you know what? You're welcome there. It must cost, if not money, like, I can't imagine they just let you stay there forever. I don't know. I mean, from what I from what I remember of what I know of Ryza, and I mean it's been a while. Um, well, I think we've seen. No, I think there's an Enterprise episode, but yeah. apart from that, I think we've seen just about all of Ryza we're going to see, apart yeah. from like one more episode. So there's not much to know. But I mean, like a lot of that planet is based, like it's their religion or something. Is, is they it? give, yeah, they give themselves. They happily give what they have to. 
Okay, it's whoever like comes to the planet. Yeah. yeah, it's a. It might not be a religion, but it, or a, but a philosophy. But yeah, that's that's the deal, sort of with Riza. Yeah, I remember that. That was in that was in that he with the, the that was when Dax in a bathing suit. Yeah. Um. Let so Dax there, in a bathing suit cast the first stone. So there is that. Yeah. But I don't know. Seriously, could there just be people who just live on right? That doesn't make sense. I mean, you know, if they want to, I, I, I don't think. I think the way humanity has sort of evolved, and this is why Starfleet's like the number one career choice. I don't think that it is. That's always how it seemed like to me. Yeah, like because people... the Starfleet guys tell you that. Well, that's true. I used to work around military guys, and they made it sound like the military was the only way to go. I don't know that I believe that. Yeah, I know, but I was with, around them so long, I started thinking it. <laughs> and then I left, and I don't think that at all anymore. No. But I'm saying, they, you know, they make a good case. Like, when you see cool guys like Kirk and Picard and Riker and Spock, you know, like, you start thinking, hey, yeah. That's where all the that's uh, where all the great people are. Yeah. No. <laughs> There's a lot of jerks out there. We're seeing the people on the best ship. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of jerks out there. I get there. like this is just and we have come back to this and come back to this and come back to this. This is just this is the fundamental problem with Star Trek is that a uh, a government with no money doesn't make any goddamn sense. I don't know. I think I it does make sense is the thing. It does. It in in the sense that like everyone's fed and housed. Yeah. But you still have resources that you trade and you still have to deal with other people who aren't you. Yeah, the, like there's a difference between, you know, poverty like poverty and just getting whatever you want all the time. I don't think you can get whatever you want no, all the I, time. No, I like that doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Like even if you work for like replicator credits or something. Yeah, but they've made a point over and over again of saying, yes, the replicator can make you food that will keep you alive, but it's not as good as real food. No, that is true. It's like I'm I'm ordering, I don't know if I've talked about this on this show, I'm ordering this nutrient sludge. They call it Soylent. Ha ha, yes, it's made of people, whatever. Um, but it, no, it's supposed to have all your, like, every vitamin and every protein and mm. all the stuff you need for the day. Yep. So you don't have to cook. You just drink this, you know, shake or whatever, and you're done. And... That'll sustain you, but it's not good. No. And I, I think that's what replicator food's probably like. I like the term bachelor chow. Yeah. Bachelor chow's From, good. From uh, Futurama. Yep. Also good. Pour, uh-huh. some, pour some water on it and just chow down. Yep. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I want it I want it just to, as, out of curiosity, but also because sometimes I'm real busy and I want to fucking go upstairs and cook a thing and wait for it to cook and like, ugh. <laughs> that, busy. That tweet I saw from you at like four about a week back where it's like, note to self. Eat. Yeah. No, I forget. I'm I get hyper focused and I forget to eat. Yeah. But anyway, my, my point is that stuff will be great for an occasional like uh, I, I, I work through lunch. I need something now so that I'm full so I don't get angry. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I feel like um, replicator foods better than that because it does taste like something. Well, it's supposed to taste like um, it tastes like you what whatever it is you're ordering. But yeah. Not, not a lot like it. No, but it's not, you know, great. I imagine it's like a frozen dinner or something. Yeah. It's fine. These are my Hungry Man Federation dinners. Right. But, and they'll feed you. So, yeah. I mean, you're fed. You can stay alive. But, I mean, that's why you still have restaurants like, uh... Yeah, like, like, like Papa Cisco's. Uh, Papa Cisco's. Right. I know he's got a name, but they all call him Dad or Granddad. Yep. So, I don't remember what it is. I think it's Joseph. Yes. Joseph Jennifer Cisco. Yep. They're all called that. 
only been one Jennifer in our family in the last 20 generations. I don't understand where this came from. And she's dead. She's so dead. My wife is dead. My parents are dead. Just turned him into Batman for a minute there. I am the Dark Knight. <laughs> wow, Avery Brooks is Batman. Oh, that would rock. Like, when he, when he, because he does get the growly voice when he's angry. Yes. I've just about had it with you to cut. You know, that kind of thing. That, you know. He could, it, like, he's getting old, but he could still voice him. This isn't a mud bath. It's an operating table. <laughs> and I'm the surgeon. Yep. That would be fantastic. Like I say, he's getting a bit old now, but yep. he, could, he could still voice, like, an animated version. He should yep. do that. He and absolutely do that. And Garrick is the Joker. Uh, or Ducat. That'd be fine, too. You go a different direction with it and make him less sort of manic and more sort of just creepy. Mm-hmm. That'd be good. I'd love to see uh, Cardassian in that Joker makeup. Yep. With the, green, so with, with the green hair. Yep. Yeah. Uh, was there a question? I don't remember. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Dalton again. Third email and counting. But I realized something about Odo. If we take it that Odo's life in his default liquid state prior to being woken up by Mora was sort of a long, prolonged infancy, and going by the dates on Memory Alpha, Odo is roughly 12 or 13 years old at the start of Season 1. <laughs> Odo, as we know him, is younger than Jake. <laughs> I realize alien biology is different, and he was alive before he started changing shape and everything. I'm just having a little trouble wrapping my head around the fact that the station's chief of security has had less than two decades of practice at existing somewhere besides the vacuum of space or a scientific storage facility as an undisturbed puddle of goo. My emphasis, not his. Uh, Ducat hired a child to investigate murders. How very Cardassian. That is very Cardassian. Maybe he's like 50 in Bajoran years. <laughs> that's, um... That's actually... Investigations are ongoing. We have our top man on... Well, our top boy on. <laughs> oh. Yeah. No, I guess you're right. I guess yeah. I guess that's true, but... You, you know, whenever you use the word boy, I get such a uh, fucking Arrested Development vibe. Really? Yeah. How it's come? just with you. Because of Mother Boy? Yeah. My brain was scared. And also boy, boy fights. Boy. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Oh, yes. Quieros de muchachos. I think that's what they say. I can't remember. It's been a while. Gotta watch it again. Yes. Right now. Well, I mean, um, give, give, give us another half hour at least. Nope. I've already started. Now the story of a wealthy <laughs> family who lost everything. Um, Hang on. I'll break out the ukulele. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I mean, I guess that's true that he, I, you know. I've never thought of that. That actually, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Because I feel like the, the changelings sent him out like a hundred years ago or something. But yeah. yeah, if he's just drifting in liquid form and can't communicate, then yeah. that doesn't really count. So, so yeah, the 12 or 13. I'm, my bar mitzvah's next week. I'd appreciate it if you all came. Completely becoming a man. Looking at you, Quark. Uh, I got thirty dollars from my grandparents. <laughs> Mazel tov. That's right, Odo. We have given you thirty of your solid dollars. <laughs> your female changeling's not bad. Without spoiling anything in particular, she will be showing up a lot soon. So uh, you're, you're, expect uh... that to come back. Uh, I hate to jump ahead. Your uh, your female changeling also sounds a lot like uh, Mike Nelson doing his Janeway impression. Which is actually the next link we have. Is it really? The, That's the handy. Next, the next email we have 
from Andrew uh, sends us, uh, have you seen this delightful clip of Mike Nelson as Janeway? Oh, yes. I, well, yes, but we will we will provide a link to that to people who haven't because it is delightful. Yeah. Mike, that was in... <laughs> Mike's Janeway impression actually uh, influenced my Janeway impression quite a bit. <laughs> It, that was in, I don't remember which, one of the two finales, either mm-hmm. the Comedy Central finale or the final finale on Sci-Fi Channel. I don't remember. Yeah. I always, because they did, they did very different things, but they did sort of some similar stuff. And, Mr. Crow. Um, let's see. This one is for Sarcastic Voyage, so we won't read that. Uh, this one comes from our pal Tidro. Ah, Tidro. And she says, dear, oh, this was from the, uh, the, uh, uh, supplement or the uh crossover show oh okay but since it had you know uh star trek questions i held on to it because it didn't want to bog the doctor who guys down in no star trek especially since one of them doesn't know what star trek is still after still. all this time after, yeah after how many crossovers, crossovers have we done yeah three well one year i think we call, called it two but mm. yeah we've done a lot uh let's see the kirk or picard question came up in a discussion with a friend recently and i immediately blurted out cisco so thanks for getting me to watch DS9, I suppose. My friend, who is a diehard Trek fan, was surprised. Even though she likes Cisco a lot, she'd never considered him as an option for best captain, since he's mostly captaining a space station. So I guess my question is, have you run into this a lot, and why do you think this is? Have fun storming the castle, Pedro. I actually had this happen uh, just at Christmas. Really? Uh, I was at my dad's place. Oh yeah, you mentioned this on the yeah. show, I think. Yeah, I was at my dad's place. We were watching, uh, I think it was, uh, they, they had the Star Trek episode of uh, Mythbusters on. Okay. Uh, I didn't know they did one. What did they? What did they myth bust? Uh, they were doing the uh, the Gorn. Uh, they were trying to figure out if you could actually develop build a uh, a gun out of. Uh, oh, that's actually a good idea for a yeah. MythBusters episode. Yeah, it was really good. That's really cool. It is. You can. It is not a very powerful gun. Right. Well, that's um, cool. Though. But so at some point during the episode, they're like, so uh, you know, it's a legendary question: Kirk versus Picard. And of course, I just pipe up with Cisco, and my dad. His girlfriend and my grandmother all turned to me and like, who? <sighs> and it took well, my dad. My dad watches DS9 and he knows who Cisco is. It took him a second, but I'm like, yeah, yeah d- fucking Cisco, come on, guys. He's the best one. The thing is, I think I think going back now, my answer is probably Kirk. But I love Cisco. Like, yeah. I, I, he, <laughs> I love Picard too, but he's probably third. Mm-hmm. I just, I love Kirk. I don't know. Like, there's something about his character. There's something about his, the way he does things and just that, you know, that he's a big cheater. Yep. That I really like. And Cisco is awesome and he's, he's so great. But I think what I like about the show is the ensemble more than any one particular character. That is definitely true. And so while I love Cisco as part of this group, he's not necessarily my favorite character. I mean, like Cisco's my like I love Cisco, but he's not my favorite character on DS9. That's what I mean. And yeah. what I what I like about the show is the fact that first of all, all the core characters are great. Also, you have a huge extended cast. Yeah. And I don't think that it's it might be because he's a space station guy, but I don't think people really think about Janeway or Archer either. I think it's just Kirk or Picard turned into a thing when when Next Gen was big and it never really like, Yeah mainstream appeal i don't think ever went beyond next gen i think no i think ds9 voyager and enterprise were all sort of more trekkie shows they had some mainstream appeal i always felt like ds9 got hit hardest with that i mean except for enterprise which just didn't do very well um i always felt like ds9 was sort of the 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 forgotten child of the the trek family kind of because voyager happened almost immediately after next gen started so ds9 was almost like i think there was like a five-week period or something where it was the only show on. Yeah. 
it was always on with something else. Yeah. Like, if you talk to people about DS9, you sort of get the comment, like, unless they're, like, a fan of Trek or whatever, you, you often get the, the, uh, oh, the one, oh, the one without the space date, or the one without the stuff, the spaceship or whatever. Yeah. Well, first of all, it had a ship, damn it. Yeah. Like, after, like, season two, they had a ship. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're not even on the goddamn station. Nope. Uh, or, uh, what did, what did Flonk, Flonk call it? A Flonk mall? called a space mall. The space mall, yeah. He, he dismissed it out of hand before he saw it. Yeah, a lot and of people did that. Me included. I did it too. Yeah, yeah. We, we all did. Yeah. And then you watch it and you're like, well, shit. And I think a lot of people still, you know, if they think about it at all, think of it that way. Which is a shame, considering it's the best one. Well, I mean, okay. Look at it this way. There are, what, five Star Trek series? Mm-hmm. Four? Five? Five. Five. Yes. Unless you count the animated series, which, you know. No. That's, that's an extension of the original series. Yeah. Um, mainstream people like, and I, I say mainstream people. I'm not like I, I know it sounds condescending. Oh, you know those non-Star Trek people. That's not what I mean. No. Just like your average person who's not particularly into Star Trek is not going to watch five different Star Trek shows. No, they're going to watch the one that's probably they've heard of, and DS9 for whatever reason they haven't heard of. Yeah, and Voyager maybe just because it had a, a female captain and it was on a, a network and and not in syndication. But I mean, most people are going to watch either. Star Trek or TNG. And most people, yeah. honestly, are going to watch TNG because, you know, Star Trek is old. It depends. It really depends. Some people still prefer the original series, and not just old people. Mm. Some people like that. Like, it's got a very distinctive vibe to it. Like, that's that's this sense of adventure, that sense of, like... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, And it's got that sort of almost pop art kind of, like... Like, I recently watched the uh, most of the Batman uh, uh, 60s show. Mm-hmm. And that and, like, a few other shows of the time just feel very, like, wow, this is this is so stylish. It's so, like, like even when Star Trek looked kind of shitty, it still looked cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, No, it definitely had that look, had a distinct look to it. And, like, watching it on Blu-ray, seeing those, those just those primary colors. Oh, they, they God. Just, they pop. It's just so, so good. Yeah. And I, there's something about it. Like, yes, people like it because colors. No, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's, it's good. You know? Yeah. Like, it's, it's. Good it's, in a unique way. It's very, very good. Yes. But, you know, mm-hmm. the uh, next gen tends to get a lot of uh, a lot of attention because it was better. Like, better written, mm-hmm. better produced, but there were still a lot of shitty episodes. Yes, there were. Like, I, I, I don't we know. know because we watched them all. Yeah. But I think those are the two everyone remembers, and I think we've talked about this many times, what's, what's going to come out on Blu-ray. I think that's why we're only going to get those two. Yeah. We get Enterprise because it was already shot in uh, HD. That doesn't count. No, that's just an easy that like that's an easy fix. We've yeah, they don't have before. to restore that. It's already it's already done. Yeah, but um, it might already be on Blu-ray. I'm not sure. But uh, but the other two, the DS9 and Voyager, were were not, and so you know, it's it, it takes a lot of effort, and they don't. I don't think they think people are going to buy them. Yeah. So I don't know. The weird thing the weird thing to me was when uh, Battlestar Galactica got huge. And I'm just saying, all the things you guys like about this were in DS9. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was different enough that it wasn't the same show. But all the sort of principles of it that I mean, everyone you, you can definitely see the bones. Uh, you, yeah. Or you can you can see DS9 in the bones of Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. You can see them taking the principles and sort of, okay, what if we could just do serialized? Yeah. And not have to worry about, you know, this, this stupid Planet of the Week crap. Mm. And, you know, what if we could go even darker with it? 
but it's it's got a lot of that same stuff. It's got science versus religion, and it's got you know like uh, just like instead of everyone's a changeling, everyone's a Cylon. Yep. But you know that whole paranoia thing. Like there's just a lot of really good stuff in there. All that crap Ron Moore likes, you know. Yeah. And so it was always strange to me when people said this. This show's amazing. I've never seen anything like it. Like, well, I have. Yeah. You missed a great show. Yeah, it was really good. And for the longest time, I still kind of feel like this. I feel like a hipster among nerds. Like, what? what's your favorite Star Trek show? Oh, the one you haven't watched. Mm-hmm. But it's true, though, is the thing. Yeah, it is true. Like, fucking, I love DS- DS9. I, I think I've made it very clear that I do as well. Yeah. Although, I will say, this is, you know, two-thirds of the way through the show now. Not as good as I remember. No. There's a lot more duds than I remembered. It's still great. It's oh, yeah. still the best one as far as just, like, stuff you know stuff happening like plot wise character wise yeah. but we're, we're not talking about 100 percent perfection here no i remember there being four or five bad episodes and there's way more than that yeah there's like 20 at least so anyway uh next one comes from mark and he says hi alan matt i've never emailed before but i've been listening to pa for some time now it's always exciting to get a new episode thank you uh, as I write, I'm eagerly awaiting the upload of By Inferno's Light, Dr. Shira, Bashir, I presume. Well, we've done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether I agree with the reviews or not, you always have interesting, substantive discussion about your reasoning, which I appreciate. I like the good thing, bad thing format as a way to generate and focus discussion. Sometimes go back and listen to your TOS and TNG episodes, though I'm here for DS9. I tend to like Keiko a lot more than you guys do. I wonder if this is because when I started watching, I came in around season five during DS9's first run, just as you guys seem to start noting that Keiko was being written as less abrasive. Mm-hmm. I noticed that a lot of my character interpretations seem really based around mid-season five where we are now. Uh, my favorite character is Garrick, and part of the reason I find your podcast so enjoyable is you pretty much share both my enthusiasm and my interpretation of him. I yep. love him as much. I, I love, this is my, my favorite part of this email. I love him as much as Amanda does. <laughs> I passed this along to Amanda as soon as I heard it. She was like, oh, so that's what I'm famous for? Yeah. Garrick Love? That's all right. Yeah, you could do worse. <laughs> I don't actually have any questions. I thought I should just say hi because I love your show and I haven't told you yet that I love it. Well, oh, thank you very that's much. very nice. Thank you. Yep. And yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. You liking Keiko a lot more coming in on uh, well, it's... season five. That was when she was, uh, yeah, that was when she was becoming awesome. And now she's just not in it. Yeah, and now she disappears. So yeah, you saw a good character for half a season and then she left. Yeah. Try coming um, in with Dana's day. That's uh Yeah, very first time. That one's rough for her. That uh that's a bad and, start for that character. And the first like three seasons of DS9. Yeah. Not great. No. Um but I will admit to some of that bias too. Like uh my opinion of Dax is based on Dax that we're seeing now, not Dax from season one, which was garbage. Oh god, she was terrible in the first season. Yeah. She wasn't much better, like She until... was about the same as Troy. Yeah, she wasn't great till Worf showed up which is sad. Uh, it was just before that that she was starting to get better, but yeah. yes. And the thing is, it wasn't even their relationship exactly. That's part of it. No, but I think Worf brought out a lot in that character. Yes, but at the same time, she wasn't defined by... Like, some characters are defined by their relationships. It yeah. wasn't exactly that. It's like, oh, now she's Worf's girlfriend. It's different. Like, no, they just... They also made her inherently better. Yeah. If they broke up now, she would still be better. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, I can I can see that, but yeah, Keiko early on really rough. It's not a good character. No. Uh, this one comes from Claire. Uh, hello, post atomic horror. Hello. After after listening to your review of Doctor Bashir, I presume some of your comments about young Bashir's difficulties left me feeling a bit uncomfortable. 
As someone who's worked with learning and mental disabilities, as well as family members who struggle with it, your label of Wee Bashir is simply dumb or stupid leaves a fairly bad taste in my mouth. Additionally, it's not uncommon for children with learning difficulties to have anger or resentment issues about their treatment, especially if they feel like they've been treated as defective. Hence, Bashir's anger toward both his parents and his augmentation, perhaps a little more justifiable. I don't want to hold these things against you or decry you as horrible people, but I think it needs calling out. Um, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. However, I suffer from a learning disability myself, so I feel like I can. I, I live in a throw in a in a thrown glass. Uh, ditto. <laughs> do you really? Oh yeah. What uh, what? If um, you don't mind? I have uh, well, I can't do basic math, and I haven't Is... been able to, huh? Since right. uh, elementary school. All right. Uh, I spent, let's see. Eight years in uh, special development classes until I finally uh, got out in grade 11 because I didn't huh. have to take math classes anymore. And see, we know, you know, like all, you know, joking or whatever aside, yeah. we know you're not dumb. Yeah. You were capable of intelligent thought. So, yeah, you, you clearly just had some, like, bumps in your, like, learning mm -hmm. whatever. And I'm ADD. Like, yeah. I diagnosed 20 years ago been medicated ever since like i'm i'm definitely no doubt add and amanda who was on that episode is uh dyslexic so we all know like we we all yeah so it wasn't out of hand it wasn't meant to be sort of harsh like oh yeah people with learning disabilities are stupid no we yeah. all know we all know the pain he still was stupid <laughs> no i it just it thing. wasn't it, it, it was never it was never no it was never to be it was, malicious no. I just like the idea of this of this version of Bashir who was just dumb. Yeah. Uh, no, and the thing is the show didn't give us a lot either. No. Like we're we were making a lot of a lot of leaps there. Yeah. But no, we were definitely not. We tried to be as, you know, as inclusive as we can. And mm. I think in this case we can say sorry, we're you know we we may have said it wrong, but trust us, we're all coming from a similar place and we don't actually mean anything like that. No. So uh, and she goes on, as for Bashir's origins, Ron Morris said he's believed Bashir to be Indian, Pakistani, or even Sudanese like Siddiq himself. Hmm. Considering the UK's fairly large ethnic minorities from his former colonies, it's not unbelievable that Julian is some great mixing bowl of them all, topped off with a crust of smugness and a sugar <laughs> ring of twit. Hoping to hear more great content from you guys in the future, Claire. That's always been my sort of go-to for Bashir at this point, is like, uh, you know, England's always had a huge Indian yeah. and... Uh, Pakistani, uh... Well, no, no, that, it's... I said it at the time, and I still feel like it's racist, and it can't be racist to say, where are you from? No. But I still feel weird saying that. I don't, I, oh, I don't that, mean it that, in any sweetie, bad that, way. Sweetie, that's your white man's guilt. Well, it's most of it's justified, because white men are terrible. That is true. But... <laughs> Postatomichorror.com would like to uh, take a stance against white people. Yeah. Especially white men. Yeah, fuck you, white men. Right? Straight white men. Yeah. <laughs> just, just all everything is wrong with you. You just are stop. bad people. Part of the problem. Yep. Yeah. Um <laughs> Post, not even entirely kidding there. Post Atomic Horror Podcast. Shut up, white people. <laughs> <laughs> you just remember that when we get to Chakotay, man. Uh, you just bear that in mind. Oh, trust me. No, I just because Bashir or uh, uh, O'Brien is always talking about Ireland, mm -hmm. and like Picard was always talking about France, and Riker talked about Alaska. It's just weird that Bashir has never like. I'm just curious, mm -hmm. like especially since his parents are clearly either from two different places or one of them never adapted to where the other one lives. Yeah, like it. It's I'm just curious. I did find out a thing in uh, recently, and I think you saw this on Tumblr as well. Mm. 
Um, we had talked about the woman who played Bashir's mom. Oh, that's right. There was an article on it on Tumblr. Yeah, how she wasn't like an actor. Like, no, she she was like a professor that somebody knew, and the reason is there are no Middle Eastern uh, actresses. Yeah. Because of like like or Muslim specifically, yeah, I think it's just apparently it's just not done. Which... It's a, yeah, a cultural thing that just they don't do it. Yeah, so they couldn't find any. Like they couldn't have a casting call because there weren't any to pick. Mm-hmm. So that's why. So maybe she wasn't supposed to have an accent, but that's you know the only person they could get. Yeah, and she was still good. Oh, she did an amazing job. Yeah. No, she was supposed to have. Uh, she'd done um, like some community theater or something. Right. But, no, uh, she definitely didn't feel like, oh, God, she just wandered on the set. Who is this poor woman? No. Like, she, she you know, she was competent. Oh, yeah. No, but, I thought uh, she was much more than competent. I thought she did a great job. No, I know, but I'm saying, like, you get, you know, you drop me or you into a TV show. Please don't gonna, drop us into a TV yeah, show. Like, oh, God, the lights. Oh, God, the cameras. What do I do? <laughs> um, I can do a British accent. Sort of. Sort of. I mean, we do the same cartoon British accents we've been doing for a while. That doesn't mean it's any good. Oh, no, it's certainly not that. But it is something I can do. Mm. It is a noise I can make come out of my mouth. Yeah. You could you could do nothing like Crispin Glover. That's true. Crispin Glover. <laughs> uh, but in any case, I, again, I don't really care where he's from. It's just something like... We're learning about the character, yeah. so it's just a thing I want to know. It's just something we think about. Yeah. Like we think about all the crap on this show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one comes from Darren. All right. And he says, hi, Ron and Matt. Who the fuck is Ron? <laughs> I, I People might not like know. Like I put I, I put my name out there as Ron Algarwa just for transparency because my given name is Ron. But really, everybody calls me out. Please, call, like like the song says, call, call me out. I'm not going to call you Betty. Don't worry. Unless your name is Betty, then I'll I will I will call you that. I mean, assuming you want to be called Betty. Yeah, if you if your name's Betty and you want to be called Carl, that's fine. Yeah, man, whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you do you. Yep. Uh, I wanted to leave you a quick note, and if you read it on the show, it'll be sort of a time capsule for me. All right. I'm new to Star Trek and have challenged myself to watch every episode in the order they were released. In the beginning, I listened to a number of Star Trek podcasts to get a feel for the franchise. I settled on your show as I found your insight into the cast, story, and production was pleasantly balanced with a sense of humor and a belief in not taking the material too seriously. Ah, that's so nice to hear. That is exactly what we wanted to do with this show. You you should be writing our press releases. Yeah, please. Because that is exactly what, like, when we sat down and said, let's do this show. Okay, there needs to be humor and we need to take it not too seriously. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, I'm currently nearing the end of season three of the original series, struggling past, Plato, past Plato's stepchildren. Uh, uh, I hear you, buddy. You, I mean, I, I, I get having to watch, wanting to watch every episode, but you, you, you don't need to do that. That's why, that's why we have jobs. Yep. You know, that's why we're here. We'll exactly. take, we'll take that bullet for you. We absolutely will step in front of that phaser for you. I will take that bucket to the head. <laughs> Thing is, I never have to watch that again. Oh, God, it's wonderful, isn't it? Well, you know, I say never. I'm sure there's some scenario. <laughs> You're going to be like 87. Oh, I'm going to watch Star Trek again. <laughs> well, no, I feel like like if we do another live, like we've talked about before, if we get the opportunity to do a uh, live mm. panel again. Oh, yeah. Which we would like to redo uh, one of our earliest uh, pair of episodes just because we feel like we hadn't quite found the format we yet. absolutely had not i <laughs> i listened to a lot of this show uh, i've listened to a lot of the show again i will not listen to the man trap episode i am incredibly embarrassed by that thing 
Well, we went just kind of on like scattered notes at that. I think actually we watched and IM'd with each other. Yeah. And then and then scrolled back through the IM as notes, and that just wasn't enough. We no. needed more. We needed more prep. You've come a long way, baby. And that's the thing, Darren. If uh, if you're still with us at the end of season three of the original series, it's gonna get so much better, man. Oh man. I can't we did the original series without even having the good bad thing. Yeah, but that's okay. We did the in the future. Like, oh yeah, we did. I forgot about in the future. I right. loved in the future. Yeah. I think I'm thinking when we get to Voyager I'd like to do in the Delta Quadrant. Is that a bad idea? Just to, you know, just to keep things mixed up. But the thing is the good and bad thing started out as a, okay, we'll do something different. Mm-hmm. And then it really turned into like this is a great way to keep discussion moving. Yeah. And you guys can hear it. It's not like now it is time for the good thing. Now it like it usually sort of organically flows like mm-hmm. Here's a good talking point. This really bugged me, or I really liked this. It's, yeah. it's a good way to, you know. And it's also a good way in episodes that we don't like to really, like, we get jokey occasionally, but we really do try to find stuff in episodes we hate. Yeah. We really try to maybe try to get a little more critical in episodes we love. Like, it's a good way to make us think more critically. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a good, and we certainly didn't make that up. We stole it from something else who probably stole it from something else. We absolutely did. I always go back to uh, uh, MST and finding a good thing and a bad thing for a RAM chip. But Wasn't that like season one? Yes. Yeah, I never A season I don't this. even watch that often. No, they have asked us not to watch it, and I've respected That's their wishes. A, I, I agree. Yeah. And I like J. Elvis Weinstein quite a lot, but I'll watch things that he does now, not, mm-hmm. uh, not that. Sorry, uh, buddy. You're not the voice of Servo anymore. Nope. Afraid not. Uh, he says, anyway... I hope to catch up to you in the future. In the future. Until then, thanks for being my guides through this long and prosperous journey. Darren from Australia. Well, thank you. Yeah. That was fun. I haven't done that in a long time. In the future. Oh, man. Now I got to get out the old, uh, the old reverb. The old Echomatic 5000. Yep. The old Echomatic 5000. Only in the 5000, huh? Man. Yep. Well, I, I haven't really used it since, uh, since next gen. I guess since, that's you know, fair. Since the original series, rather. So. Uh, next one comes from Tom. We requested this a while ago, and I apologize. We're just now getting to telling you about it. Uh, this, again, will go in the in the uh, the show notes and such. Uh, he made the logo for Galron, which the two O's in Galron are his giant Oh, eyes. fuck, this thing is so great. It, it is amazing. It is so good. And... Um, the thing is, I asked him uh, if we could get, like, resolution to put on a shirt, which I would love to do, but the place that I used to order shirts from jacked their prices up by, like, fivefold. Like, yeah. I used to be able to sell a shirt for 20 bucks and make yeah. a profit and pay the artist, and now I can't do that. Ugh. Like, now I would have to sell the shirt for, like, 40 bucks. Nobody's going to buy a $40 No one wants shirt. a $40 t-shirt. Yeah. In in order to barely break even to give us a couple of bucks and the artist a couple of bucks. Yeah. Like maybe $2 for each of us. Yeah. So until I can find a good, reliable shirt place, I'm sorry, we, we can't do shirts. Right yeah. Now. Which sucks because, man, I love my uh, my Quark shirt. Well, and this, this Gowron design is amazing. It's fucking gorgeous. I love we, it. We've gotten a lot of great things from uh, from our uh, our friend Vichelle, from Tom here, mm-hmm. from our, our friend Gregory. Got like, some uh, amazingly talented people working on... Uh... Yeah. Just who hear us say dumb things and say, here, put this on a shirt. I swear to God, that has been one of the best things that's ever happened, for, that's ever come out of doing a podcast. Yep. People drawing pictures of the dumb crap you make up. It's wonderful. It absolutely is. I never I never tire of it. Nope. We've, we've been doing, you know, between the two podcasts, like I say, 400 episodes uh, over five years and still not sick of it. Nope. Still great. 
Uh, let's see. Next one comes from this is a this is a username, so I don't know what the actual name is. Chaos Ticket. All right. Says, as a child, I would call all Germans during World War II Nazis, similar to what Matt and Al do here. As I grew older, I learned of the horrible things some Nazis would do, and that not all Germans during that period were Nazis in association or belief. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Not all Germans were Nazis. So, uh-huh. Okay. Okay. He says, this is nitpicky, I know. Sure is. <laughs> Sorry, if we, if we did say that, I believe you that we said that. First of all, it must have been five years ago, and I don't remember. Second of all, shut up. <laughs> that's why ah moving on next one comes from deke and he says thanks for the re-stickers guys my very favorite is the miles one it's a good one need to get that on a shirt or possibly establish my own sovereign state and use it as the flag of that state <laughs> yeah it's, it's if that fun. happens please send us pictures yes please. i don't think we've gotten any flag uh fan art yet but uh, no yet yet um Next one comes from Flonk. Oh, that guy. I don't know why you guys keep saying Julian is British. He's clearly French. <laughs> well, I guess that's true. He does he's have that of... French accent. He's Yeah, the, the, that Star Trek French accent. Noted. Bonjour! So that answers my question. Yep. Um, Jamapel Jules! <laughs> I don't know any French at all, so I can't really riff here. So. <sighs> Just going to have to let you do it. Parlez-vous Francais. <laughs> and those are the three things I know. You and, and you live in a bilingual country where one of the languages is French. One of the official languages is French. It's printed on all your stuff. Yeah, huh? Like, I pick up the occasional French word when I just buy a bag of chips there, and mm -hmm. I'm sitting there looking at it, and like, oh, these are the same words in French. Yep. Jambo toilette, s'il vous plaît. <laughs> Uh, this one is from Scott Zioko, and he says, Dear pals, maybe more of an observation than a question, but if you were Rom, oh God, and you managed to land a gal like Lita, would you try to lock that down as quickly as possible? <laughs> Just saying that would explain the minuscule courtship and expedited wedding. Yeah, you gotta lock that down. That's a, that's a very good point, Scott. It is an absolutely good point. Uh, I mean, that explains uh, Rom. Lita, not so much. Yeah, Lita, and Lita's not dumb. No. Like, she's not a genius. And by her own admission. She's like, I, I can't. Like, when uh, Zimmerman tried to whisk her away. Uh-huh. She's like, I'm not smart enough to run a restaurant, dude. Or a bar, or whatever it was. But she knows it, so therefore she's not that dumb. Yeah. Like, knowing that you're you're limited makes means you're kind of smart. Mm-hmm. In a way. So she has enough self-awareness, is what I'm saying, to know that she's better than Rom. It's like, well, this is as good as it gets. Maybe she's actually in love with him? Maybe he's a demon in the sack. Next one comes from <laughs> Chipper. And he says, that Wayun shot is my favorite quote of a myriad favorite Wayun moments. That is quite toxic. <laughs> That's uh, the cover art we did a few weeks ago. That's where, a good one. Yeah, I try. I really try to pick the either the funniest or at least the most iconic. Yep. And yeah, that was the Wayun drinking poison one. Mm -hmm. And he says, "All glory to the." And he's got hypno crossed out. Ducat. <laughs> yes, praise me, Major. Not everyone is Major. Major. Major Dad. I was just thinking, Major Dad. Of course you were. Ground control to Major Dad. Major, uh, Major Tom Paris. 
Next one comes from Brian. All, all our guests are writing in, which is uh, weird because they just they just show up here. That was nice of them. It is. Uh, dear the post atomic horror. It's us. How are you? How are you? I'm fine. Oh good. I am, however, a bit sad as I'm currently watching a sad movie. It features Rosalind Cho as a woman whose marriage is in trouble because she's too submissive. <laughs> And her Irish-American husband is tired of the pressure of making every decision. This makes me think, what are some of the roles you've seen Star Trek actors play that are the most different from the iconic roles we associate them with? Other examples include the time I saw Brent Spiner play a malevolent malevolent AI that laughed constantly, as opposed to a benevolent AI that can't laugh, or in the film in which Max Grodenchik, who plays Rom, plays an evil little monster who terrifies children, as opposed to a good little monster beloved of all children. (laughs) Yours, etc., Brian. Uh, I was trying to think of some, and there's not a whole lot that spring to mind. My absolute favorite is anytime uh, Patrick Stewart plays uh, real life Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yes, uh, like like an extras. Yeah, like an extras. You could see everything. Um, there's a lot of that in uh, older episodes of Family Guy. Mm. He would show up and just be an insane creep. I, so they they did the Adam West thing with him. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I like the Adam West joke too, but. Mm-hmm. You know, it's big enough to, to encompass more than one celebrity. Yeah. Like, that's not even a diss of Family Guy. I think that's funny. Yeah. Uh, they st- I think they stopped doing that when he, like, he's basically a main character on American Dad now, so. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, he must like working with Seth MacFarlane. He so definitely, cool. that, yes. And Seth MacFarlane must be thrilled about that because he's a huge Star Trek fan. Yeah. Like, I know that, mm-hmm. and I know that he actually appeared on Enterprise, which is like, like, he just completely went nuts over that. Why did I wish on that monkey's paw? <laughs> Hey, look, that's the only one that's on. <laughs> I want to be on Star Trek. If you want to be on Star Trek and it's 2002, well, that's what you get. Yep. Just like like at one point they were in early talks to do a Doctor Who crossover. Yeah, I remember but that. That's all they would have had, unfortunately. Yep. And I say unfortunately, I'm trying, but sometimes it slips. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's weird Still got to be better than that uh, TNG comic crossover, though. That wasn't great. That was a lump of garbage. How's that uh, uh, Planet of the Apes one shaping up, by the way? It's not out yet. Oh, okay. No, once it's out, I will definitely be picking it up. Uh, Primate Directive, it's called? It's fucking great. Oh, God. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's fucking fantastic. The thing is, you told me that, and I said, that's great. And then you told me that a month later, and I'd completely forgotten, and I said, that's terrible. (laughs) Clearly, clearly I don't know how I feel about it. Anyway, yeah, um, that's uh, that's my go-to for that one. I'm trying to think of, um, because it feels like like Star Trek people are really like a lot of them try really hard to not get typecast when Star Trek's over. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they would sort of deliberately do something different. Well, because I mean that's definitely a pitfall that uh, Trek, well, guys particularly could the fall original. Series. Yeah, exactly. So you feel like they they would go out of their way to play something completely other than their characters just to establish, look. I can do I can do other things. I can do lots of things. But I can't think of a lot of examples. Like I don't know. <laughs> I guess real life George Takei has turned out very different than Sulu. That is definitely true. He but that's more just I'm old and it's acceptable to be gay now so fuck it I'm yeah, gay. Yeah, I I I've waited my yeah. entire life to be able to do this. Now I don't have to be in the closet anymore, so I'm just going to like be the the flamingest flamer you've ever seen and yeah. you know, good on him for that. More power to you, man. But it is very different than the sort of stoic, good-humored, but still subdued uh, Hikaru Sulu. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I, I don't know. I can't really think of um, can't really think of any other examples. I'm trying to go through my head like what I've seen them in, and it's usually nothing. Yep. Like apart from Patrick Stewart, you don't see like uh, Professor X is effectively Picard. That's the thing. Yeah, I thought I thought about that for a second, but I mean, like they're so close. Um, I like his Professor X, but yeah. uh, but like has Frakes done a whole lot? Has Marina Sirtis done a whole lot? Has, nope. has Spiner or you know any of those guys? Yeah. Mike Michael Dorn, like. I mean, they probably have made guest appearances here and there or whatever, but they haven't done anything major. I mean, I guess I like LeVar Burton's uh, uh, literacy-loving character, but... Uh, yeah, but that came before Star Trek and continued after Star Trek. Yes, and is just LeVar Burton. Yeah. But, you know... Although I'm it. sure Jordy is pro-reading if you ask him. He can't read? <laughs> Jordy, what do you think about reading? I don't know, I'm blind! <laughs> How did he read? Did Captain! He <laughs> I don't know. I never saw him use Braille. No, he used the, the, the um, you know, the, the display screens. Yeah. But were they lit? I guess they must have been, like, lit well, I mean, his, with heat I, or I'm something. I'm sure his visor was programmed to read. Yeah, but I don't know if it saw light. I think it saw heat. Like, I don't I know. I guess That's they could give off heat. I don't know. I was never really clear on how his visor worked to begin with. And we even saw... I wish we could see how you see, Jordy. <laughs> you even see the, then. You see the world so differently than we do, Jordy. I'm going to strap a camera to your head and send you down to this planet. No, I'm going to stick a camera in your, like, dead eye socket. <laughs> a real thing that happened. Yep. Season one. Yep. Season one of Next Gen, True Believers. Yep. Um... Speaking of Braille, though, this is interesting. This mm. is not a, a particularly Star Trek-related thing, but I was reading the other day. Mm. There are apparently tablets that create Braille. Seriously? Yes. They read, like, a, a, a text uh-huh. from the internet or, or books or, you know, e-books or whatever yeah. and create a, a raised surface that when you switch the page then changes to a different raised surface. That's amazing. How are they doing yeah. that? I don't know. Like, I don't know how it works, but I recently, because, oh, I was looking at uh, my iPad updated some software and it said, like, the Kindle app or something said, um, uh, added support for Braille. Uh-huh. It's like, Braille? It's, what? It's, it's a smooth. screen. How the... Yeah. There are apparently special Braille tablets uh-huh. that are made, you know, for blind people that, that read text and turn them into Braille. Wow. That is and, amazing. Yeah. That is so cool. It's so, so awesome you know. when you occasionally get to realize that you're living in the future. I realize that fairly frequently. You know? We were talking about this with the self-replicating minds on DS9. Yeah. There are... This is a real thing, too. There is a 3D printer that can replicate a 3D printer. It can print... Seriously, this is a real thing. Mm-hmm. It can it can print a fully functioning 3D printer that can then print a fully functioning 3D printer ad infinitum. <laughs> So, yes, humanity's days are, in fact, numbered. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I hope you like gray goo. There are self-replicating things. Yeah. Like, things that can make... It's I mean, awesome. You know. Like, the fucking 3D printer now, we have, like... We kind of have a, re- have a replicator now. Well, the 3D printer, right? I mean, there are really cool applications that are being used, like, like medically and stuff yeah. like that. But for the most part, it's kind of a novelty, but they're starting to look at... Well, that, that's the know. thing. It's super rudimentary right now. But, I mean, like, think where we're going to be in, like, 10, 15 years. No, no. But what I, what, I, what I was building to here is there is a recent example that shows just how cool it could be. Mm. Uh, the International Space Station needed a special tool that they just printed. Oh, that's so cool. On the spot. Like, they get regular deliveries, I don't know, once yeah, a month yeah. or something like that. They would have had to wait for the next ship to come up and drop stuff off. Mm. 
and so they couldn't fix whatever it was for you know a week or a month or whatever. Instead, they just got the pr- got the pattern from Earth, uh-huh. printed it, and fixed the thing on the spot. Oh man, that's awesome! And and it's not just space stuff. Like anybody remote, anybody like out in the wilderness, like uh, researchers in Antarctica, like you know anybody like that. Mm-hmm. If they need something special, they could just print it, and they got it. Yeah, like, that's that's so fucking cool. It's amazing. Yeah, that was that was really cool to hear. So yeah, there's you know. It's 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 not all awfulness. It's not all white guys ruining ruining everything. It's nice. It sometimes I gotta sometimes I need to remember that because sometimes it looks bit it looks pretty bad out there. Yeah. No, I mean, make no mistake, it is pretty bad most places. Yeah. But there's still some cool stuff happening. Uh, let's see. This one comes from David, and he says, "Given how crazy Avery Brooks can get as Captain Cisco, <laughs> it has been a delight imagining him as the Doctor." Oh man. Can- Oh, although those Brits would never allow an American to take it on, and I doubt Brooks would be interested, his madness and acting style seem made for at least a season of The Doctor. Got some thoughts? I, I completely agree. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I'm sort know, of obviously... done, I'm sort of done with Doctor Who currently. Yeah, I I, I am as well actually. Except not... for uh, you know, the going back and watching the old the uh, old seventies uh, and eighties ones. What I've seen of that, you know, that's fine. Hmm. But uh, I, I sort of fell off the series, and I'm not super interested in going back to it right now. Where did you fall off? Uh, I don't know, mid-tenant? No, I was actually, even before that, I was early-tenant. Oh. I made it up to Matt Smith, and I just don't like the current showrunner. Mm-hmm. Like, he's got... Well, he's kind he's, of a tool. Well, there's that. But it's not even like a political, you know, I don't like his, his policies thing. Yeah. It's more of a... He, he tells only a couple kind of stories, and I feel like he just keeps telling them. Yeah. Like it needs, they need to change. Like they've changed doctors, which is good. They also need to change showrunners. They need different. Yeah, you know, and you need some. They need some new blood. Like there's certain things that I really like about Doctor Who. I'm not even saying it has to be that thing that I like, but it needs it needs to be shaken up. It needs mm-hmm. something different. I love Capaldi. Like I love Peter Capaldi in um, the thick of it before Doctor Who. You know, before he was on Doctor Who. Yeah, and I think he would make a great Doctor. You know, he's potentially a great Doctor if. They gave him better scripts. What yeah. I saw of this last series was not super great. No. But what I do know about Doctor Who is you need somebody off kilter. You need somebody weird with this really intense energy, and, and Avery Brooks absolutely fits Oh, that. D- that dude's got that in spades, man. Like, Jesus. You think of that, like, sort of Tom Baker, wild-eyed, kind of like... Yeah. Running off in random directions. No, and, he, you know. he would be amazing. Yep. And that sort of warmth that he has, like, for Jake or something, I'd love to see that sort of for a, yeah. uh, for a companion. That is that is true too. Maybe pair him with like a, you know like a thirteen year old or something. Yeah, or even I mean I guess he doesn't have kids, but you know like yeah, if you if you had sort of a father son relationship kind of thing, be a neat idea. Plus that's definitely something they haven't done with Doctor Who, in certainly not in recent years at least. Yeah. Well, he started traveling around with his granddaughter, so yeah, it has happened. But yeah, I saw it happen. Yep, yeah. I did. I saw the first one. Yeah. Me too. I was gonna I was gonna watch along with the Gavs and I was like, whoa. Nope. <laughs> Maybe I won't do that actually. I'll just let them tell me about it. How about that? Yeah. And I've been enjoying that. Mm-hmm. I finally got caught up on their show the other day. Actually. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, I, still do that. I was I I it was not because I don't like the show. It's just because you know, I got a lot to do, man. Yeah, I'm real busy. Yeah. But now it's I I still quite enjoy their show. Um, but yeah, that is, that is a great call actually. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'd love that. That would be, that would be great. I'm trying to think of other Star Trek guys who have that same, like, manic, craziness. Uh, who? It doesn't always have to be manic. Like, I think, uh, Eccleson had a bit of a darkness, you know, he wasn't 
you know. That's true. Eccleston's my favorite, actually. Yeah, I, anything I think I've seen, I fucking love Eccleston. I don't know if, if it's the same for you, but he was the first one I watched sort of and was yep. invested in. And so that's why. Like, yep. No, those, uh, you know, I have my problems with Doctor Who, but uh, that season of his is great. Yeah. He, um, Except for he the was farting good aliens, and... I could do without that. Yeah, well, you know. I mean, everything's got its Plato stepchildren. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't know. I, I feel like people forget him. And yeah. Part, part of it's because I think that show fucked him over is what I've heard. It did. And that was another thing. I went and watched, uh, I think it was the 50th anniversary, right? Yeah, that should have been him. Yeah. Like, John Hurt was great, but it absolutely should have been Chris Eccleston mm. there. But, I mean, like, what what bugged me is there's a there's a scene at some point in that episode where they have every doctor that ever was yeah. uh, attack the yep. whatever the bad guy was. Yep. I forget. It's been a while. But... And they show, like, the back of Eccleston. They didn't actually get him for the episode. Yeah, so they, they just used to took, They just took a stunt guy, like a... They just took a double and dressed him as the guy. And it really bugged me, just because I know the, that he's had to deal with crap from, uh... Well, they asked him to come back. Did they really? I did not know yes. that. they asked him and he said no. Okay. The quote that I read was, No, ask me for the 100th anniversary and maybe <laughs> I'll come back then. <laughs> Alright, that's not bad. <laughs> no, that's a good line. I, I don't know the whole story, and I may be misrepresenting, but my impression is that they fucked him over. Mm. Is I If I remember correctly, I could be entirely wrong. I remember that they didn't tell him that he was only there for one season until he read about it in the paper. Ugh, like, that, oh, that's not all right, cool. Then. Especially yeah. considering how, how good a job he did, you know? I thought so. Yeah. And again, that's what got me interested in that show was that guy in that role. Yeah. But I, you know, I still like what I've seen overall, like here and there. Sure. Um... But I'm trying to think of other Star Trek guys who have that same kind of like, you know, crazy intensity, and I, mm. I can't really think of anybody else. Yeah, that one sort of spring to mind. No, I, I there might there, there's probably some super obvious one that I'm just not thinking of. Yeah, I don't know, uh, uh, Walter Koenig. <laughs> yeah, Walter Koenig as nobody. Just to be clear, I think history will show that I don't want to see Walter Koenig play anyone. Nope, nobody does, even Walter Koenig. <laughs> Walter apparently has a career. <laughs> ah, I forgot about Walter and has apparently written a book. I also can't find a good uh, confirmation that that actually even exists. I, at this point, I don't care. I've only read secondary sources, and that's really too bad. I'll, I'll take that as a... Uh, yeah. Like, even if it's not true, uh, it's one of those things that I'll just believe hard enough that it is true. And for those of you who missed this, we talked about this a long time ago. Uh... <laughs> The, the story is the rumor, the urban myth. Uh, Walter Koenig wrote like a novel and asked uh, Leonard Nimoy for a pull quote for the uh, for the cover. And the quote came back, Walter has written a book. <laughs> I want that to be true so bad. <laughs> and and the, continuing with the urban legend, supposedly that was only the first print. They realized, oh God, this was not a complimentary quote. We need to take it down. Uh, Nimoy realized that they shouldn't have quoted him and gave a good quote. Mm-hmm. That's supposedly what happened, and so like it's rare, but they do exist. I I could be entirely wrong though. See, and the thing I had gotten originally, the, like the version I had heard from you originally, was Walter has apparently written a book, which is even better. Yeah. No, it's great. I heard about it from somebody on Twitter who was just kind of talking about it. Yeah. And I dug, and there is a little evidence, but there's no like there there's no definitive. Here is here is the book. Yeah. Here is the book with that quote on it. I would love to see that. Yeah. And it didn't happen. Walter has written a book. 
No, see, I like that even better because it's not even a judgment. <laughs> Walter has apparently written a book makes it sound like, ugh, leave me alone. <laughs> Walter has written a book is like, I didn't read it. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> here is what I know about this. This is what arrived in my mail last week. I, Leonard Nimoy, am very busy and don't have time for this. <laughs> well, I've got to record more commercials for VCRs. <laughs> now, wasn't it like a... like? Some kind of weird video disc thing or something? Oh, God, it might have been. It's been a while now. The, the one where he talks to the uh, to the light that comes from space to teach him about his VCR or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. The Dark Times. A classic. And he's got that severe uh, uh, 80s Nimoy hair. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Nimoy did okay for himself in the 80s because he started directing. Mm-hmm. We talked about this the other day, not on the show, just among ourselves. Uh, that he directed um, Three Men and a Baby. Yes, indeed he did. And then Three Men and a Little Lady. Yep. Which I, for, I, I often forget about. Like, it wasn't just the Star Trek movies. He was able to parlay that into, you know, like directing a couple of half-decent comedies. Oh, I thought you meant that you had forgotten that uh, Three Men and a Little Lady existed, to which I reply, mm. as did most people. Well, it's like when you periodically remind me of Manny Faces. I don't exactly forget it, but sometimes I forget it. Fucking Manny Faces. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Seth. See, Al, because he has many faces. Yeah, I, I got it. Thanks. Actually, he only has three faces, which I would not describe as many. No, that's a few. That's few-y faces. <laughs> next email comes from Seth. Not Seth MacFarlane, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, he says, uh, he, he's very nicely, he's written several paragraphs here, but then he's also given us the too long didn't read summary. Mm -hmm. Uh, which is, I, I'm going to read the whole thing. Okay. What the hell? When I started to rewatch DS9 to catch all the episodes I missed during the original run, one of the things I told myself was that it had a couple of seasons to get through and the show would get really good. Avery Brooks would grow a goatee and blend in some Hawk. Remember Spencer for Hire? I only sort of, not really. I do not know who that is. Uh, he he played sort of a, not quite Shaft, but definitely sort of a badass. Like, uh, he wore, I say that because he wore a leather coat. That they, He's a black guy who wore a leather coat. That is where the similarity to Shaft ends, yeah. I think. But he was he, kind of a badass. Um, with Cisco becoming, as I like to refer to him, Hawk in space. Uh, the station would get its super cool badass starship, and Worf could join the cast. All would be right with the Star Trek universe that I remember and wish would continue. Shut it, J.J. Abrams. <laughs> oh, you're one, you're one of those guys. Okay. Uh, but I, as I was re-watching the first seasons, catching up to the podcast, I found that Cisco had a little more Hawk in him from the start than I remembered. Mm -hmm. I was right about the Defiant, which is super cool badass. Yeah, and, uh, any other Star Trek movie or video game ain't gonna tell me different. Shut it, First Contact in Armada. <laughs> Uh, and I didn't feel like anything was really missing without Worf being there. The cast was gelling pretty well, and I think the show could have continued its run without Worf just fine. Well, I wouldn't say he necessarily hurt the show. I don't feel like the character was really needed. In some ways, it bothers me that at the time it was thought DS9 would have to lead on the crutch of TNG by adding Worf to survive. Do you think DS9 needed Worf? Did he make the show better or worse? What kind of show would DS9 have been without him? I... That's interesting. I That's actually very interesting. It is. It's a great question. Um, I don't think... It was a bad thing, certainly. No, I don't think I... He fit in with this cast really yeah. well, but that's also because half these writers, I think, worked, you know, with him on the other show, mm. so they knew the character already. Um, I don't think... Uh, I think DS9 could have survived with, without him. I don't know. At the, the time... The, the, the story would have. I don't yes. know if the Ratings show... Wise. Yeah, the show needed that kick in the ass. I don't know that it needed it. Like, it's it's really hard to say. Because I like what I remember is not necessarily correct. 
as as we have discovered before with my uh, incorrect statements about Terry Farrell. Sure. Like I don't I don't know or, or remembering that Galron was a changeling. Mm. Like I don't always remember correctly. We are human was, men with poor memories. And it was twenty five years ago. Yes. Like very long time ago. Um. Is that your uh, New Zealand accent? Yes. Very Great. good. You can do one word in uh, New Zealand. Yes. That's fine. Oh, excuse me. Yes. Yes. Great. Great. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, at the time, it, it felt like the show's not doing well. It needs a kick in the ass. But I think it's not that it wasn't doing well. It's just that it wasn't doing as well as Next Gen. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the number one syndicated show, and they wanted it to do better. But I think it was still doing fine, is what I think. But yeah. maybe I'm wrong. I don't fucking know. Um, I like what DS9 brought out in Worf. Yeah. I like what it did to the character. I like that I don't actually like Worf that much anymore. Yep. There's a lot about that character that rubs me the wrong way that I don't remember at all. Yeah, he was, uh, he's, uh, you know, they, they brought out a lot more of the, like, sort of ultra-conservative, like, yeah. like particularly in the Risa episode. But yeah. Not but, I mean, the, but, I mean, like, the Risa episode just sort of brought it to a head. Like, that stuff's been... That stuff's been around since Worf started showing up on DS9. Yep. And I like I really think the show had the sh- like the environment of DS9 had a huge effect on the character that you wouldn't see when he was on uh, on TNG. So I think him coming over is worth it for that. Mhm. Um and like I said, I really like I really like that I don't care for Worf anymore. I think I he's still... I think he's kind of a dick. He is, but I like him on the show. Oh yeah. I like, you know, I like how he affects other people. Look, and it's like, like it's like the Kai Wen thing. I like not, I like not liking him. Right. Well, I just, I feel like I get that, but I feel like you just need to make that clear to the listeners. That mm-hmm. It's not that you think Michael Dorn is a bad actor. It's I not do like not. You, you think Worf is a bad character. You just. You no, know, I think. All you would the, not want to hang out with him in real life. Is absolutely not. Yeah. Which is fine. I don't think he'd like to hang out with me either. You never know. That guy curses a whole lot. <laughs> Fuck you, Worf. <laughs> You're a terrible father. He's a terrible Klingon, too. Yeah. That's a thing that's really come out in DS9. He's a terrible a lot of things, which is probably my favorite revelation about Worf. I think the thing thing that made me go DS9 go from good to great to me, well, one is the whole serialized thing, but another is the the fact that it embraced being part of the Star Trek thing. Mm Mm-hmm. TNG had to very much distance itself. They had to do that because, like, they were always being compared. Early on, they did fucking The Naked Now, which was just awful. That was a goddamn disaster. Yeah, they had to, they said, okay, that didn't work. Let's be our own thing. Let's tell our own kind of stories. Let's not invite comparisons. Very occasionally, like, I think three times, they had Sarek, Spock, and uh, Scotty. Scotty. That was it. The three S's of Star Trek. Right. And then Skirk later. (laughs) James S. Kirk. <laughs> the S is for R. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, that was across 178 episodes. They had, you know, Spock was, okay, Spock was in a two-parter, but he was only in one of those parts. So that's three episodes out of almost 200, and that's it. Like, they almost did nothing with the original series. They wanted to be their own thing. Mm-hmm. DS9 is more willing because Star Trek is now established that it's not, you know, not trying to rip that off anymore to, to incorporate like stuff from next gen stuff from the original series. Like just say, yeah, we're, we're all part of this big tapestry and bringing the Klingons into DS nine sort of brought that back. Yeah. Like, Oh, 
yeah, this stuff that's happening off in this corner with the Bajorans and the Cardassians, who are these guys we didn't hear much about in Next Gen, like a little bit, but not a lot, uh, is happening side by side with the Klingons, who we know very well. Mm-hmm. And Worf gives us a window into stuff we've seen before. So that that's what I like. And I think that made the show a lot better because, you know, DS9, like like the Orions are in it and the like the old school Klingons are in it. And, you know, like there's, there's a lot of different things that Next Gen wouldn't have done. Yeah. And I think Worf sort of ties into all that is what I'm saying. Mm. Uh, next one comes from John Wiggins. And he says, it turns out you can replace the theme to Enterprise with that of Perfect Strangers. And he's provided a link, which we will provide for you. In the I show watched notes. this. Uh, I watched this before the ep- before we recorded. It is. Mm-hmm. It actually syncs up quite well. Oh God! And as some as someone who hasn't watched the Enterprise opening theme in a long time, it's been a long. It's been a long time. That is a terrible fucking fucking opening credit. Yeah, sequence. I am. Tr- I am trying very hard, and I will continue uh, to not diss that show anymore as much as I can. But yeah, that theme song is garbage, and I stand by that. Mm. I think even big fans of that show. Yeah, no, the Perfect Strangers theme is a much needed improvement. Yeah, so that's good. I can't, I can't ear picture, ear imagine the uh, the Perfect Strangers theme. I can't. Sometimes the world seems perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Nope. Sometimes it's something, something you need someone to change. You know, the whole time you're doing that, I'm just hearing do 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 which is Night Court. I don't know why. They're nothing alike. They're sitcoms that aired in the eighties, that is where they end. Do 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 do. Yep. Do 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 do. Uh next one comes from Ryan and he says, Gentlemen, thank you for reading my previous email during one of your supplemental shows. That was a real treat. I just finished listening to supplemental eighteen as I'm watching along with my girlfriend and we're a bit behind you. Uh, you had an extended discussion about both bad Trek novels and staying out of the Gamma Quadrant. <laughs> we talk about that a lot. Well, we're not going to anymore because our guys are nowhere near the wormhole right now. <laughs> so not really an issue. Uh, which are both relevant to the recent not very good Section 31 novel I tried and failed to finish. Yeah, I saw that when it came in at work a couple of, uh, couple of weeks back. The story details Section 31 sending Dr. Bashir to the Mirror Universe, which of course leads to stakes that don't matter and consequences we don't care about. Hey, things I talk about all the time. (laughs) There's the interesting fact, however, that the Mirror Universe, the Galactic Commonwealth, a sort of poor man's federation, and the Dominion are on peaceful terms. This comes about because it was the Dominion that initially discovered the wormhole, and since nobody from the Alpha Quadrant kept getting on their lawn, the Dominion never turned hostile. (laughs) Thought you'd be interested to know that you've been proven to be absolutely right. That's good. All right, high fives all around. (laughs) Also, Eddington is the Prime Minister of the Galactic Commonwealth for some reason. That is bizarre. <laughs> I mean, you can write alternate stories for everybody, and you have that opportunity to go crazy, but I would not have imagined that in a hundred years. I just love that he's the prime minister of something. Well, he's Canadian. Very Canadian. Yeah. Bond! <laughs> well, how Canadian am I? How Canadian am I, eh? Uh, keep up the great work, and I look forward to suffering along with you every week when you get to Voyager. Well, I don't know about suffering. I do. Maybe it's good. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, what did I read? Oh, I read a, uh, an original series novel about Section 31 that wasn't bad, actually. Mm. Oh, was that it from was, the, uh, the Section 31 series they did a couple of years back? I don't know if it was part of a series or a standalone thing. It was a, Kirk just, he's investigating something and some shady government thing is, is 
following along with him and mm-hmm. he he's not a, like they're not aware of it. Right. It still exists, but they never like they never become completely aware of it, which sure. I like. It's kind of a way to say, well, you know. Cuz it's not like the Enterprise thing where the Ferengi show up and oh no, they didn't call them Ferengi so they didn't know. Yeah. It's not like that. It's more like no, they knew there was a shady government thing. They just they didn't like the show established that it existed at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're contradicting anything. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, hey. I've got the Night Court theme stuck in my head now. Yeah, me too. Have you read any novels lately? Like any? I guess you no, were talking th- about earlier about wanting to read real books now, like a like a weird grown up. <laughs> no, it's been a while. Hmm. I'm actually it- between real books right now. Actually, I've been reading a lot of comics lately. There's um, there was a there's a novel we may have already talked about this. Uh, where uh, Seven of Nine goes back in time with Captain Kirk. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... The, every time I check in with Star Trek books, I see stuff like that, and it's like, eh, I think I'm all right. Oh, you know what? While we're on the topic, though, I mentioned this on Twitter last month, but I figured I'd bring it up again here now. We got uh, uh, the newest DS9 The Fall novel in. Uh-huh. Uh, and anytime we get a new Trek novel in, I check out the back at work, and, you know, just to see what's going on. Sure. And so I'm reading over it, and... Um, this Deep Space Nine novel has no Deep Space Nine characters in it, from what I can tell. Nope. That stars Roe, Dr. Pulaski. No, it was Beverly Crusher, wasn't it? Yeah, no, Crusher's in it too. Oh, apparently God, she's Crusher been tra- Apparently she's been transferred over to DS9. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there are no Deep Space Nine characters in this. And so it's like to, a it's like a Peter David book, except they don't give it a different title. It's still called Deep Space Nine. Yeah, exactly. And then you said to me, right? But at least the Deep Space Nine space station is in it, right? Yeah, and I go, it's no, set on Deep Space Nine. I, and I, to which I reply, no, the Deep Space Nine space station exploded. This is a new station called Deep Space Nine that was designed by Chief O'Brien and Scotty. Uh, so this Deep Space Nine novel has literally nothing Deep Space Nine in it. Well, I mean, it's a station that exists next to the wormhole in or you know, near Bajor. I don't think it's in orbit, but it's near Bajor. I mean, all right, that's fine. But that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, you know, if I want to read a Deep Space Nine novel, it's because I want to see what, like, you know, Cisco and uh, Kira and uh, Dax and all of our other friends are up to. I feel like, and I don't know this because I haven't read a ton of these, and certainly not in any order. I usually, usually when I read a, a, a Trek novel, I want to read a, an original series novel, mm. just because I feel like that's, like, the era I want to read more about. Yeah. They didn't get seven years. They got three. You know, the other shows got to tell most of the stories they could tell. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I read a few next gen or whatever, but anyway, um, uh, I, I feel like they're, they're sort of back themselves in the same corner as some of the star Wars books got into, which is they're telling a continuous story that now it's 20 years after the shows and they keep building this whole other continuity that now yeah. I feel like gradually piece by piece, they've gotten rid of all the DS nine stuff and, it probably makes sense if you read the 30 previous books. Yeah, probably. But if you just come in at that one, you're like, where is everyone? The fuck happened? But you know what I mean? Like, it's probably a natural progression to someone following along. I suppose, yeah. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it is funny. It's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, well, where do I go for my Deep Space Nine characters? Oh, they're all off in uh, in the uh, next-gen novels. What? <laughs> and the next-gen novels don't at least have Riker and Troy because they're in the Titan novels. Yep, except they're so... not anymore because the Titan novels are over. Oh, are they? Now Riker's an admiral. But Picard's still a captain. But Picard's still a captain. I mean, that um, occasionally happens. Let's see. Worf is back on the Enterprise. He's, uh... I believe he's the uh, number one now. 
Huh. Which is actually right. kind of cool. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> or it would be if he was any good at it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, we like like when he was on the Klingon ship. We talked yeah, about. Yeah, he's this. fucking terrible at it. Yeah. Mr. Wolf, you don't need to keep poking in your head into my ready room to see if I'm all right. Go talk to the crew, for God's sakes. Oh, no, I'm like, af- no, I'm afraid of them. You just like Worf peeking around things. I do like Worf peeking around things. He's such a good peeker. Yep. Uh, next one comes from David. He says, hi, guys. I hugely enjoyed Series 5 of DS9 and your reviews. Oh. I think I would have jumped ship mid-Series 2 if it hadn't been for your podcast, so thanks again. Uh, I just started watching Babylon 5 almost through the first series. I've been struck by how awful the special effects look on that show when compared to DS9. Yes, they the do. C- the CGI on Babylon 5 looks cartoon-like and carries no weight. Now that DS9 is moving towards CGI, I was wondering how you guys feel about CGI versus models. Uh, he's got more questions, but we'll talk about this. Um, Al mentioned to me in the last episode that uh, we're heading into uh, CGI models now. Yeah, I saw this in on Memory Alpha. To yeah. which I replied, oh. No, the ship. The ships um, so, look fine. Is the thing. So, like, I'll basically. It's been like I don't remember what the ships look like. I don't remember thinking they look terrible. No. So they look good. You know, the thing is, without spoiling anything, really, the war. Like, you know, there's a war. Yeah. You guys, like, at the end of season five, you saw the fleet had gathered. They said war has been declared. There's gonna be war stuff. There's gonna be ships. Fighting and 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 maneuvering and models just can't do the stuff, particularly for a ship like the Defiant. Mm-hmm. It's super maneuverable and can you know fly all around crazy like. Like it's cool when you have a big ship like the Enterprise that's not super maneuverable. You can get away with a model, mm-hmm. but something like the Defiant, you need to be able to like you know. Pew, pew. <laughs> and you can't exactly cut in stock footage of you know like a jet or something. So, you know. You, you've never heard the expression pew pew before? No, I've never heard you say it before. Oh, really? That was adorable. All right. <laughs> well, in any event, CG like CG made sense. And also, it you know, Star Trek had more money than Babylon 5. That is true. Like Babylon 5, like, I was not a fan. And uh, the, honestly, the CG was a big part of that because I'd look at it and it's like they'd cut away to a horrible cartoon and then they'd cut away to people and it just didn't feel like it was the same mm. show at all. I didn't like it. But it was groundbreaking. Like, that show was doing CG way before anyone even thought about it. Yep, and uh, serialized uh, storytelling yeah. back when that wasn't a thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I didn't really love it, but... It See, I was, br- I, for a couple of years back, uh, after... When I finished my rewatch of DS9, I was desperate for more political sci-fi, so I got super into Babylon 5 for a while. Mm. It's, you know, it's not bad. The, the few episodes I've actually sat completely through... Mm. I was not impressed with the acting. Like, the actors feel like soap opera, like, very TV actors. They are. And that that and the effects really put me off. Like, and the a, writing might have been great. And, of course, uh, season one, or possibly season two, I forget when he shows up, contains Tron's own Barry Bostwick, and we all know how you feel about that. No, I'm just never going to watch Tron. It's not that I don't like Tron. Or is it Brian Bostwick? I don't know. Brian what? sounds right, but I don't know. No, actually, Barry sounds right. I don't fucking know. Anyway. I'm not a Tron expert. <laughs> I think that much has been made. <laughs> Matt, I know very little about your uh, your 1950s Tron. <laughs> or your Jeff Bridges technology. <laughs> forgot about Jeff Bridges technology. Never forget about Jeff Bridges technology. Oh, I love Jeff Bridges technology. We have, we have self-replicating 3D printers, and we have Jeff Bridges technology. The future is amazing. Isn't it just? Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Braille uh, pads. Yes. So, yeah. Um... 
but I don't know. Like, I'm fine with CG. I don't, I don't hate it. I think particularly in the 90s, there were things CG couldn't do. Like, yeah. water looked terrible in CG. Yes, it did. But I think anything, if it goes all CG, is kind of not great. But I think as a tool, as, as something to add to the, you know, to the mix, I think mm-hmm. it's fine. Yeah. And if if they can do cooler stuff with the ships, if they can do a battle with 500 ships because they can use CG, do it. You know, if that... if Because the Battle of Wolf 359 was a Borg cube versus three tiny ships. Yes. That was not great. No, Battle, battle of Wolf 359 should have been huge. Yeah, and now we get... Because of CG, we get, you know, so much more because that show can afford more. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Yeah. I look forward to that. And I don't remember that being particularly bad either. So, I mean, we'll see. Yeah. If, uh, it, if it's bad, you'll hear about it. Yeah. I, I, I that's an easy bad thing, but... Uh... Yeah. Honestly, Next Gen did some rudimentary CGI, like not ships or anything, but some things here and there. Oh, and sure. the only thing the only thing that really stood out to me was that Q-Net from, like, Farpoint. Was that CGI? That must yeah, have been, was, yeah. Yeah, it was terrible. That QNet sucks. Yeah, but that was that was made like the show came out in eighty seven. It's possible that came on eighty like made in eighty six. Like mm. it, that was the eighties. Yeah. So I mean, for for eighty CG, that was great, but mm. it has not aged well. That was a Tron level net. Yes. Quit bringing up Tron. As well, what about that Tron, huh? Uh, David also asks, "Isn't this war all Galron's fault?" He was looking for a quick land grab, and his huge beady eye landed on the Cardassians, driving them to the Dominion. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Once again, uh, we get to see Gowron not a very good leader. Nope. He and Worf deserve each other. Yes, they do. Yep. Uh, next Fucking one comes... God, I love Gowron. Yeah, he's fantastic. Uh, next one comes from Brewtown Andy. He says, the long-running discussion is, who's your favorite captain? Forget that nonsense. Who's your favorite second in command? Spock, Riker, Kira, Chakotay, to Paul, I guess. <laughs> this is him. This is him saying that. Yep. Feel free to elaborate on your answer as needed, and/or tell Matt why he's wrong. I don't think you're gonna say that this time. I don't know because you may not know who I would answer. Well, I'm going with Spock. Yeah, me too. I don't think like Riker's close second. Though. I, I look. I love Riker to death. Uh, yep. Fucking. However long, seven years of uh, TNG will play that out for you guys, but uh, I, you can't beat Spock. He is, I would argue, the symbol of Star Trek. Okay, but look at this. No. Is he, just as a as a first officer, mm-hmm. would he be a great first officer under anybody but his best friend? I think that he loses something if he's not working for his best friend, but I still think he would be a great uh, well, I mean, first of course, officer. Of course he's super competent, and of course he's he's great at things. But, I don't know, I feel like you lose a lot. Like, the first officer, we've talked about this, the first officer needs to be the one who, like, understands the crew, who sort of takes the captain's orders to the crew, who, you know, like, mm. like sort of the personnel manager kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Spock, yeah, no. <laughs> Riker's way better at that, obviously. Yeah, I still stand by Spock. I mean, uh, he's the better character. Yes. But in pure terms of who makes a better first officer, I'm going to have to go with Riker. It's fair. But, I mean, I like Spock better as, you know, as a guy. Yeah, I respect your choice. And, I mean, so, look, man, look at the rest of them. You guys know how much I like Kira, but... Uh, I love Kira, but, yeah, she's, uh, yeah. Gotta go with Spock. There's there's some great stuff uh, coming up. Like, I've already watched our next two episodes, and there's some <laughs> You were amazing... so excited. Oh, God. Well, I've been trying to stay ahead, but, yes, I was also very excited. <laughs> But there is some amazing Kira, like there is a huge Kira arc thing mm. that I'm going to talk about. I'm going to, you know, uh, 
I'm teasing this now. My good thing is Akira thing because it's just fantastic. Stay away from me. I'll talk to you about it when we're done. All right. Um, oh, God, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, I, I, and I can't speak to the other two for real because I haven't seen enough of them to really know. Like Chakotay and uh, what's her name? Tapal. Yeah. Don't know. Uh, our friend Beeve says, uh, Dear Alan Matt, in as much or as little detail as you'd like, what would your Star Trek dream team be? What ship or station? Mix and match bridge crew, main characters, assignment, etc. If you could pull from all Trek ever, fill in as many of those as you wish for as many positions as matter to you or as few that matter. Thanks. Who? I don't think anyone's actually asked us that before. That's a good one. Damn. And as we approach the two hour mark here, I worry we're going to go to three, but yeah. uh, you know, oh well. All right, let's try and get through. I would, uh, let's see. I would Here's... set it in original series on the on the original Enterprise just because I love the aesthetic. Well, that and also I do like exploring. Mm -hmm. Proper exploring. Being out where there aren't people and seeing things people haven't seen before, which Next Gen almost never did. Yeah. Voyager, as I recall, did some of, but not nearly enough. Like, yeah, I, I want that setting. Yeah. I agree with you there. Uh, let's see. Make Picard the captain. Uh, make Kira his first officer, because I just want to see those two <laughs> play off of each other. Okay. That would delight me. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. Probably the doctor from Voyager for the doctor. Just because you want somebody from Voyager. <laughs> yeah, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Engineer. Probably Chief O'Brien. Okay. Um, who am I missing? Uh, uh, science officer and uh, tactical and... Whatever the hell Chekhov does. Uh, let's see. I'd take Data as the science officer. Mm. Um, leave Sulu in for tactical. But na well, or navigator. Tactical. Yeah, for yeah, navigator. Like, yeah. And uh, that ought to do me. All right. I this <laughs> oh, and is... Quark. And Quark. <laughs> He would be the chef or something. I don't know. The Neelix. Yes. All right. I, I, I thought about this for quite some time. Like, Beef sent this earlier today, and I was, I was thinking about it. It's hard, because once you pull that thread, once you separate Kirk, Spock, and Bones, are they really worth, like, are any of them worth a damn on their own? I mean, we talked about this a minute ago. Yeah, but no. I mean, you know I think, I mean? like, look, they are, but I don't want to watch, honestly, I don't want to watch a show with just one of them. Yeah. And the thing is, with with the three shows we've watched so far, everyone is sort of not exactly where they need to be necessarily, but sort of balanced with the other guys. And I know that's a cop out answer, but really, like uh, it's hard to it, like it's hard to say you know Kirk and Riker because uh, no Kirk's got to have Spock. Those two are too similar too. Well, also that, but I was just you know yeah no I I know I I understand where you're coming from here. Yeah, I feel like Riker could serve like under anybody though. Yeah. And be great. Like, he is just the greatest guy. Yeah. <laughs> but I also feel like, I don't know. He needs Picard. He needs someone to make him want to be a little better. He needs a disapproving dad. Am so I good yet? Yeah. Because otherwise he's just going to get sort of comfortable and not aspire to anything. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, like, with that with that constant need for approval, that makes him want to better himself. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone's sort of connected too closely to who they're with. So I would say a ship with everyone. 
all of them. <laughs> co-captains, <laughs> co-heads of engineering, co-doctors. No, God, no. I God, desperately no. want to see that where the bridge has just five chair, five chairs in a row. Yep. Ugh. No, I, I honestly, like, it's, it's so hard to put together. But as far as, like, favorite characters go... Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to weight it pretty heavily toward the original series and say Kirk, Spock, and Bones, just because you have to have that. Sure. And then I'd throw in um, Jordy and Data. Nice. Maybe it's, you know, like... Jordy uh, and Data in the morning. Right. And then uh, there's no, really no room for Riker there, unfortunately. Um, Bashir and O'Brien. Basically, I'm just pairing up the friends. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I can't Bashir speak to Bashir and O'Brien and Quark and Odo. Yeah. There, that, yeah, there's your there's your ship. Yeah. Make sure everybody's got their friend. Yep. And, you know, okay, there's absolutely no women, so uh, Dax and Kira. Yeah. I, that was not by design. It's just, I don't want to... Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing Troy, but I don't want to have to bring Bever along with her. No. Well, you can pair her with Riker. And Uhura doesn't have any friends. You were looking for a place to put her. Or yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> I guess that, I'm always looking for a place to put him. Right. Yeah. Oddly enough, so is Troy. <laughs> Uh, next one comes from Randy, actually uh, a guy I know locally, a local comedian. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, real good guy. Uh, funny guy, too. Uh, he says, which type of Trek do you prefer? The lighthearted, silly sci-fi stuff, e.g. Tribbles, or the more dramatic political intrigue, DS9, post-Pajoran War stuff? I always thought there could be a standalone Trek series that focused on the less intense, sillier side of sci-fi, because those occasional episodes made it harder for me to take negotiations and diplomacy seriously. Um... This is a tough one because my knee-jerk reaction is the political stuff because I love it so much. Mm-hmm. But I feel like just having a show that's nothing but that dark political stuff is going to wear on you. Like, you need you need to break that up with a, uh, you know, Jake and Nog go looking for a baseball card episode. I don't know that you need to. I feel like it works, but I feel like uh, Battlestar Galactica did it. Yeah, but, like, look, I love Battlestar Galactica, but... You know, you watch enough of those episodes of that show and you want to kill yourself. That show is depressing as shit. I don't know. I mean, that's that's sort of what certain types of dramas are right now. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Breaking Bad never really made you feel good. No, that's true. Uh, even going back to, like, The Sopranos. Like, there's a, there's a certain type of show, a drama right now, that is just dark and depressing. And that's not necessarily bad. And it works in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But uh, Star Trek's... Uh, "Quote unquote," supposed to be hopeful. You lose, you lose something. I think when you lose the uh, the light, the more lighthearted episodes. On the other hand, I think Trek fails at comedy more often than it succeeds. That is true. Like, I mean, Tribbles were great. Yeah, but I mean, tr- that's it. No, 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 no. Uh, the original Tribbles episode was great. Mm-hmm. Harry Mud was great. Yep. Uh, the Shoreleaf Planet wasn't bad. That's, I mean, from I'm thinking just the original series right now. I'm kind of going through chronologically. Sure. Those are all the lighthearted ones. I can't think of any sort of missteps, honestly, with the original series. Uh, I forget it's been a while. Has, was Cat's Paw a comedy? No. No, that was sort of supposed to be kind of horror, wasn't it? Oh, right. That's why I hated it. <laughs> it was written by the psycho guy. Oh, God. Damn you, yeah. Robert Block. Yeah. You, you know better. You know better. You wrote Psycho. Yep. But did he write Psycho 2 and Psycho 3? Yes! Well, he wrote Psycho 2 anyway. Oh, okay. I saw that not too long ago because Rift Tracks did it, and (laughs) it is not great. It is not great. It just keeps elbowing you in the ribs and saying, hey, remember? Remember? Huh? 
Hey. Remember the good one when right. when Hitchcock directed it? One of the finest movies ever made. Huh? Yeah. Huh? Worth yeah. the sequel. Greatest greatest director in film history at the top of his game. Yeah. Huh? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um Working on but, that novel? <laughs> but on the other hand, it could be like TV is very different now. You could maybe do a light Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Like maybe not full on comedy, but silly sort of like just doesn't you know almost can't be like in some ways that the original series was you you might you might be able to pull that off i could see that yeah because the thing is one of the things i didn't like about enterprise was that it was very dark yeah like if like this is my memory of it i remember it trying too hard to be intense and dramatic Mm -hmm. and physically like like literally too dark yeah the bridge needed some lights. It looked dark and dirty. I re- when I think about I don't Enterprise, remember it I feel like it's got a dirty vibe to it. I don't know why. No, I don't remember that. In fact, I remember it looking a little too sterile, if mm. anything. But it was very dark all the time. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like it need like I don't know. There's a sense of fun that I like. I think this is why I always go back to the original series. I like the fun. Mm-hmm. There's always an ad- the sense of adventure with the original series that you don't get from the other guys. That's why that's kind of my favorite group of guys. Yeah. And, you know, some of my favorite episodes of DS9 are, are horrible and dark, but then some of my favorite episodes of DS9 are light and great. Like, it's, you know. Like, I mean, uh, Tribbles and um, uh, the recent one with, with Jake and Nog. Yep. Just off the top of my head were a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And, you know. All this war stuff, and one in particular coming up that we haven't done yet, which is probably the darkest Star Trek's ever gone. Yeah. Not, uh, not very fun. No. So I don't, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't really have a preference, mm. but I could see, I could see either working. Yeah. No, I, I, they both, they both have their merits, and I would, it would be a shame to lose either of them. I think. Well, let's, without, without turning this into a huge long discussion, let's revisit very quickly. If, today they announced a new star trek show what would you want it to be i mean honestly i would go with the darker political stuff because it's what i like you would want a whole show about that not just elements of that mixed with other things like if you got anything you wanted any i would like a combination of that and the exploring stuff Mm -hmm. um but i mean darker political doesn't always mean good i mean into darkness was that yeah, it was. It's just that off the top of my head, that is the, that is what I like for my sci-fi. But it's not the when only thing you like. No, of course not. I also like giant alien monsters. Okay. I think there should be a lot of that. Star Trek didn't have a lot of giant alien monsters. No, but the you know maybe they should have. I'm not saying they they can't. I'm saying they didn't. They they should consider having some. Maybe you know bring dick bats into uh, live action. Maybe, yes. Finally. And officially canonically name them Dick Bats. Paramount, if you're Paramount, if you're listening, I will write that episode for free. Oh, uh, we, we we will write it together. You yes. mean? Yes, uh, of course. I that was my pitch. Don't just run away with my pitch. <laughs> Damn you, a, Matt! It could be a whole series about Dick Bats. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Dick Bats, episode one. <laughs> episode two. <laughs> no, no, there's two. And episode so three. Eh, eh, eh. Yep, it's like a cuckoo clock, only with a dick bat. Yep. Oh, that would get old really quickly. It already has, in fact. Uh huh. 
Star Trek, the Armist Adventures. Well, here we are in the sixth season of uh, Star Trek Dick Bats. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, please don't do it. Like Heading that. into the movie. Yeah. Six seasons in a movie. Yep. I would, I've said this before and I stand by it. I would love to see an anthology series. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a pretty good idea. I would love to see them, like, maybe four or five episodes in a row could be one story with Captain Riker. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you could have a little just one-off about, you know, what Uhura got up to late in her career. And mm-hmm. then do one about Cisco. Just then, pulling you know, from all over. Yeah. And you could, if you get clever with it, you could connect them somehow. Yep. But you don't have to. No. Like, and that way you get all those out-of-work Trek guys something to do. You get the fans going nuts. If mm-hmm. you if you write it in a certain way, it'll be accessible to everybody. Yep. Like, the, that's, that's what I would like to see. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Deke, and it is titled Star Wreck Deep Throat 9. Ah, an X-Files question, I assume. Dear Internet, I'm sorry. (laughs) I had to go to college during the last four years of DS9, so when I had access to a television, it was dominated by roommates who watched NBA games, NFL games, and 90s softcore porn. I had to abandon DS9 halfway through, even though it was already my favorite trick. I didn't realize it got this damn good. (laughs) Ha! It's everything I like about Trek and Battlestar Galactica, and it follows the lead of Cisco. I watched ahead, and so many awesome things are about to happen. The prophets, which usually make my eyes roll, do something incredibly badass that... Oh, man! Anyway, will you forgive me for placing my education first? I admit it was now a terrible, terrible mistake. Uh, I believe from all of that football, basketball, and 90 softcore porn, you've suffered enough. <laughs> I I permit you to be free now, Deke. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not gonna. All right. Because apparently he and I are roughly the same age. I was college age when DS9 was on. And um, you know what? I just didn't go to college. (laughs) Man, I wish I'd thought of that. And I I stand by that decision. Uh, This one comes from Brian. Not Brian the Guest. A different Brian. Uh, And he says, Uh, Brian the Guest? Brian the Warrior. (laughs) Uh, Since I finished watching DS9 a few months back, there was no way I could wade through two episodes a week to keep current with the podcast. So this email won't really be about be about DS9 at all. Sorry. Uh, however, I actually started rewatching TNG from the beginning. Amazon had a pretty good sale a couple weeks ago before Christmas, so I picked up the whole series on Blu-ray. First off, wow. Yeah. Do they look impressive, especially when you watch the featurette that shows the before and after pictures. Oh, yeah, they clean up really nice. Even the sampler disc I had made that very clear. Oh, man. that uh, When we watched Farpoint when we were getting into TNG right at the beginning, yeah. oh, God. Uh, second, I'm now pretty much through the first season. Just watched the untimely demise of the lovely Tasha Yar. Uh, he softened up by mid-season, but man, Picard was a dick in the first few episodes, especially mm-hmm. in Encounter at Farpoint. I always remember as being a generally nice character, even with his distaste for kids, but at the beginning, what a total jerk. Yeah. Also, I barely recognize Worf, especially since at this point I mostly remember him from DS9 in the movies. Guess I was able to make this a little about DS9. Smiley face. Uh, that early makeup was not nearly as advanced as they had la- they had later. Uh, anyway, keep up the good work. Still love listening to the new episodes, even more that we're finally up to the start of the war. Yeah, Picard, I think, I mean, the whole vibe with him was supposed to be the loneliness of command. Yeah. And, you know, just how hard it was to do his job, and that's why he had Riker. But... Right. I mean, we talked about this when we were doing TNG, though. Um, a whole, one of the big themes of that show that we didn't realize until we watched through the whole thing is the evolution of Picard as a character. Yeah, nobody else really has an arc like he does. No, he, but he really goes from, like kind of an asshole to just... well, yeah he's got a there's a few like if you map it out sort of you know like emotionally mm-hmm. you can tell like i mean the inner light is a huge one but it's not the only one no 
I, like disaster was another big one where he was stuck with those kids and like a few other ones like that. Uh, I've learned that children aren't so bad after all. Except you, radish king. You're the worst. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I think the writers realized this about halfway through and started leaning into it. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it happened sort of accidentally. I What I feel like, and maybe this is real, maybe this is imagined, like my personal opinion, I don't know. But it feels like they were supposed to write him a little, like they were trying to write him harsh. Mm -hmm. Then they realized, shit, we wrote him too harsh and they started trying to fix it. Yeah. And then later writers came in and said, oh, this feels like an arc. Let's just keep doing that. Mm -hmm. And it worked. And to the point where the finale, they very deliberately made a point of saying, here's what he was like in season one. Look how far he's come, you guys. Yeah. These, these are, this is his family now. Yeah. And that was very cool. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's really about that if it's about anything. Mm hmm and nobody else really, I mean, people changed, but nobody else had an arc like he did. No, I mean, you, there, there's definitely evolution of those other characters, but uh, that show is about Picard. Yeah, it absolutely mm -hmm. is. Uh, last email comes from, as we, as we are well past the two-hour mark. Good God, we are. Eh, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I try to keep the other, you know, the, the regular show to about an hour, but mm -hmm. uh, we answer mail till we stop. Yeah, so if you've made it this far, congratulations. Yes. Um... This is from Richard. Uh, Richard. Richard, Richard, who has written us songs before, and he wrote us a song. Oh, good. This guy, this guy, man. Uh, I'm sorry, that sounded really insincere. That was not supposed to. No, it's it's great. Uh, and I've been sitting on this since the end of December, and I've been wanting to play it, but, you know, like, supplemental, gotta wait. Yep. Uh, post Hosties. Got my stickers in the mail, and they are totally awesome. Thanks so much for doing that. Well, you're welcome. Uh, anyway, you've been bringing up Voyager quite a bit lately, and it gave me the blues, so I thought I might give you some blues back. <laughs> uh, I'm going to play this for you now. Well, I'm stuck in the Delta, throwing curses at the clock. Drinking gin and juice. With a holographic die The only way I'm gonna make it through Is hearing Matt and I'll talk yeah, Talk to me, boys That was really nice That was amazingly great Yeah uh, Also, the title is impossibly clever It's called Delta Blues <laughs> So we will also post a link to that in the show notes if you would like to hear it again mm -hmm. or download it or what have you. Uh, and that is it. That is all the mail for now. Uh, next supplemental is in May. So if you write to us now, you'll hear it in May. So look forward to that. Next week we start uh, season six. It's going to rock. Yeah, like I say, I've already seen the first two and uh, it is every bit as good as I remember it being. Holy shit. Uh, that, that email address, as ever, postomichorror at gmail, uh, website postomichorror.com. We wish you good day. See you, folks. The Postatomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2015. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.